everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, the program where we give you the tools, the ideas. We bring in the experts that can help you grow a healthier, happier life. You know, it's not enough to just get the headlines. At some point, you need to know what to do with it. That is the goal of this program. Holy cow. We have a celebrity in the studio. Such a warm welcome for me on a Monday. Thank you. Uh, I was thinking of the other guy. Oh. Can you see him? He's just sitting right there, beaming. He looks about five feet taller. I am officially a giant. <laughs> I James was five the ten. giant. Yeah. Giant. James and the Jolly Green Giant. James is in the house, married. With child, apparently. Children. Where did the kids come from? You know, you know just married life. You know, it's amazing. You, I haven't seen you like so on top of all the buttons before. I know. It's great. I'm it's like, like you've got man. a whole new life. Yeah, I have a ring on my finger now. Let's it's see that ring. Got bling now. Ooh, that's it. interesting. Oh, yeah. Is that just a rubber band or what is um, that? It's, it's, there's a little more to it. Is it? Yeah. It just looks a little like rubber bandy-like. Okay. You got really fancy rubber bands at your house. Is it made of wood? Yeah. Yeah, it's actually it has a, a ceramic it's a ceramic ring, so it's black and then it has some a wood Fantastic. ring around that. It's well, that ought to last a couple months. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> it's temporary. <laughs> yeah. Until that's, my real one comes. It's you have another one coming. Yeah. Well, I well, I'm going to have one coming every few months. There's a 90-day period of review on oh, yeah. any marriage. So your marriage is under review. And then once that then they get more of a permit. It's like an NFL call. It's under review, and you have to run and stick your head and watch the video. Oh, yeah, we're still good. <laughs> so, James, thanks for uh, letting us call you Friday on your honeymoon. That's weird. A lot of people here were saying he won't want to talk, but having called you 53 times, I knew you would. <laughs> well, and you, and you owe me uh, whatever whatever was promised. So, What was promised? Oh, well, we'll talk about that off air. But Because uh, yeah. I actually have no idea because you haven't told me what you're going to give me yet. Oh, well, let me just do it right now. Okay. Let me see. What, what was that that... i um, just going to get you a really special pen is what I was going to give you. Okay. There you go. You can have wow. that. Wow. It's a gray Bic. It's a gray Bic round stick. With the... M. Bent cap. Yeah. Do you want a straight cap? I've got a straight cap. <clears throat> I need a straight cap. Okay. Just the cap. I'll okay, need the that. bent cap back. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Happy wedding. Thank you. Uh, calling in on my honeymoon was totally worth this. Because you got a round pen. Mm-hmm. From this pen jar that was sitting right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> well, but you asked. So I delivered. So um, you're married. Any, you know, anything you want to say now that you and Kaylee have set up home? Well, we're still in the process. We just moved into the apartment last night. Last night? Yeah. It was a late night. On the Sabbath. Yes. Not is, to is judge, it, not to judge, but... It's okay to... I don't know if you can say home. that without judging. <laughs> on the Sabbath? Yeah. It's just, just, the just judgment that is, on the is, Sabbath? It's not really even implied. 
It's just there. Well, it's, I think, a, it's explicit yeah. judgment. Yeah. I think you violated two things. You violated the Sabbath and didn't keep it holy, and then you violated Mother's Day, which is the holy of all holies. <laughs> you cannot load your car with things and take stuff out of your car yeah. at midnight. See, I thought for sure you were already living in your place I was. Saturday. She wasn't, so she had oh, to move stuff. Oh, we had to stuff. move her. Okay. Yeah. So Kaylee broke the Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> and as her husband, I assisted her in doing so. Yeah. That's good. But Matt, so uh, yeah. you gave me the pen just barely, and I, I actually got something <gasps> for you. You did? Every day. From your honeymoon? Yeah. Every day in the past, when I walked by your office, I, I saw that it was kind of like this barren wasteland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's empty. Yeah. The, it's filling up. You've been gone a week. Oh, really? I filled it up with a lot of other stuff. You've been busy. Yeah. What did you get me okay. from your honeymoon? This is from your honeymoon? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, we, we got oh. it while I was on, my, on the honeymoon. Uh, oh, no way. <laughs> and and there, there you go. <laughs> that is weird. It's a picture in yeah. a photo frame of you. Yeah. Yeah, it's looking, a headshot. Yeah. It's, it's not really a headshot. Well, it's a lot of head. It's, it's, there's, there's the head and then you have the torso you, sort of. Could you autograph it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I really want it autographed. <clears throat> I mean, is that rude? That's not rude. I mean, no. it's like it's a masterpiece. But I, if I could get it autographed, I mean, that would be fantastic. Just yeah. right on the glass. Just, just I'll, we can take it out and. Yeah. Wait, are you going to autograph it? I was going to autograph it. <laughs> <laughs> is it okay if I autograph your picture? I've got you a sharpie right there. Just oh, autograph it and okay. Just like you know, to you know, to my, to my dearest, dearest Matt. Okay. My idol, my king, my friend. Stuff like that. Huh. I, that sounds like not something I would Sincerely, write. Jaime, a.k.a. James. Huh. Thanks for the picture. Yeah. So I'll just put that. That's great. I, I've got a place I can put that. Perfect. Right next to my mummified uh, monk. <laughs> I've got a photo, a photo of a mummified monk, and I have a photo of Kaylee. Which could be the same. A.k.a. Kelly. Kelly. Kaylee's one of our producers. Not my wife. Not your wife. <clears throat> that we know of. Because <laughs> we've never seen him in the same room twice. Uh, together. Okay. Any uh, – thanks, James. Just sign that and that would be fantastic. I'm going to get it right in my room. You'll be the only photo hung in a frame. Don't – oh, so no, no frames for any of your other photos? Nothing else is framed. Okay. It's just taped. <laughs> that high class. Pretty low class <laughs> office. <laughs> Uh, any any thing going on with you, Terry? You still alive? You had a good Mother's Day? It was great. Is your wife happy that – did you celebrate her motherhood? Yeah, I said, hey, good job. Give, a little, give her a little, little high five? A little pat on the back, high five. That's good. That's good. And you took your boy on a father-son's? That was really the gift. It was 40, 24 hours without the little boy. And you. And, well, and me. She was all by herself. She was able to go and do as she pleases. Did she have a good free day? Yeah. Apparently. I don't know. She said she watched sure, some TV. But. I'm not sure my wife liked that day, Mother's Day. My three-year-old's a little uh, over the top sometimes, so she's she, happy to she embrace the lack of him in her life at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, Mother's Day. It was We talked to my son on the phone from Mexico. He comes home in 45 days. Oh, well. But we got to talk to him because on Mother's Day, if you don't know this, all those missionaries out in the field, those Mormon missionaries you see everywhere, they don't get to talk to home except for Mother's Days and Christmases. Well, they shouldn't. 
Well, yeah, they're not supposed to. Kind of the idea is to break a little tie there, yeah. focus well, on what you're busy, doing. Get out there, do your work, get yeah. busy. And so they write every week, but you want to talk, and we got to talk to ours. He's cute. And now it's like Skype, right? Yeah, we Skyped yeah. him from Mexico. I just called him on the phone. Yeah, back in the day. Back in the day. Well, back in my day, you had to send a telegram. Smoke signals. <laughs> it's totally sad. <laughs> totally sad. So uh, any news? The king of Saudi Arabia yeah. apparently is not happy Why? with the Obama administration. What? Now, he didn't say he isn't. He just said that he will not be attending the Obama's summit on Gulf relations this week. Really? He was, you know, we have a our country in Saudi Arabia. There's a... Mutually, I guess, beneficial relationship going on there, yeah. and they're they're seen as an ally in the region, and they're not going to attend, and they're going to send the crown prince instead. He is the uh, he's also the interior minister for the country. Okay, so he'll be there. There'll be a delegation, but not the king. The king's not coming. He says that he's not coming because uh, it overlaps with a five day humanitarian ceasefire in Yemen, which is slated to begin on Tuesday, and he wants to be in the region to. You never know because yeah. Saudis are fighting in that war. They're fighting in that little that conflict. I don't know if we want to call it a war. Yeah, yet. not a war. They're fight. They're fighting in that uh, fighting opportunity. Some feel that the king is unhappy with the way the United States has supported Saudi Arabia in their conflict currently. And well, Europe. because Saudis are fighting Iranians. Yes. Well, no, they're fighting Houthi rebels. Houthi rebels who are, who are being supported by, by Iran, Iran, and now we're doing a deal with it's Iran. A proxy war. But so. yet, Iran just. Took a ship from the Bahamas yeah. that we were supposedly protecting. And so, oh, the tangled web. All kinds of stuff going on. So the, apparently the king isn't happy, not so he will, not, be, he will not come. And it's kind of not in the building. being seen by some as an international slight. Mm. So there's that. Okay. On uh, Sunday, the London Review of Books, which mm-hmm. is a periodical, I guess you could call it, that reviews books. Books, a book review from there is An expose published on Sunday alleged that President Obama deceived Americans with his narrative of the 2011 assassination of Osama bin Laden. Ooh. Investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch contends that virtually everything about the narrative of the Osama bin Laden raid is false. Bin Laden was being held as a hostage by the Pakistani intelligence agency. He wasn't just living in a house. Oh, the Pakistanis got him. The tip came from a Pakistani walk-in informant there wasn't some uh, – if you remember, there, it was alleged that the uh, intel- U.S. intelligence put together this sort yeah. of false uh, face – or face false – a false flu yeah. clinic. And to they go went around, door to gather door, DNA. And they gathered DNA and tested and found out that these are mm-hmm. – All fake. There was no firefight at the Abbottabad camp compound. We didn't lose a helicopter. So the whole Zero Dark Thirty con- – that whole uh-huh. story wasn't there. We There was a helicopter lost obviously because yeah. there was pieces there. Yeah. Or was it? But or were they just planted? We don't know. There was no burial at sea. No. Of the body of Osama bin Laden. And the Obama administration sold out the Pakistani intelligence breaking ranks on an agreed cover story. Hmm. They're saying Hirsch claims that the, uh, uh, his claims rely mostly on a single unnamed source <laughs> and sources inside Pakistan and two consultants to Special Operations okay. Command who had access. So he's got he's, he's a bunch of unnamed sources. From Pakistan. Some one of Pakistan, the people we know we can't trust. Some in, some in special forces. Okay, okay. Some with you know, and so it's except still Team Six. We had them all fighting over who actually shot Bin Laden. Yes, there's a guy now that you can go and go to a shooting range and hang out with him, and 
shoot guns and talk about the good old days. Well, I, you know. So I, there, that book or review or what – I think it's a book that's coming out. I didn't see it. There wasn't a title attached. Conspiracy theorists. But yeah, they're, so they're po- trying to poke holes in the bin Laden <sighs> story. You know, aren't they – you'd think the conspiracy theorists would be more worried about the government taking over Texas. But instead, they're now they're trying to blow up the bin Laden. They're story. worried about that too. Oh, crazy time. Crazy time. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, will be joining us from fuelfreedom.org. He, uh, he's going to just give us some insight. We've got a bunch of uh, political questions and news we want to ask him. We always want to, on Mondays, catch up in the political world. What's going on? What do you really need to know? What should we be worrying about? All up next, right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show, the show where we try to just give you not just news, but some insight that might help you live your life healthier, love stronger, live longer, and lead better. Who better to do that than our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, joins us. Joe, uh, you know, he's a political insider, whether he believes it or not, but he knows a ton of people and very networked uh, when it comes right down to it. He's also the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which is an organization that he's put together in order to help lower uh, fuel costs in the United States. Go to his website, fuelfreedom.org. They, uh, I think they're a nonprofit organization doing what they can to, to educate, but also to create movement in legislation. Joe Cannon, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. It, it's a charity, right? Fuelfreedom.org is a charity. Yeah, it's a nonprofit uh, organization, and yeah, we we're aiming just to sort of clear out the regulatory barriers to to um, uh, basically competing with gasoline at the pump with yeah. cheaper fuels, mainly mainly derived from natural gas. Are you are you flying out somewhere today? I really apologize. <laughs> I thought I got in a real quiet place. No, don't even worry about it. But uh, where where are you going today? I'm just well. I'm going to. California right now, but I'm going to China on Tuesday. Are you really? Yeah. You're going to start a new branch of Fuel Freedom China? No, it's just another, it's a, just a, actually just a personal thing that's going over. Oh, cool. Well, hit, while you're at it, fly around the globe, and why don't you go to the UK? Let's start there. Cameron, <laughs> David Cameron wins in the UK, and it was a pretty tight race. Uh, talk about Talk about his win. Talk about... You know, I guess, is this a movement of conservatives? What is this? Well, you know, it was a tight race. I guess it looked at one level, but, I mean, the fascinating thing is just uh, starting Friday morning, and I'm watching the news, and I'm going online, all of the polls, every single one of the polls showed it to be very, very close with, best case, a coalition government where he had to, uh, you know, yeah. with one of the other parties. And it turns out he won an outright victory. Uh, and no one expected that. And so, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the polls are just saying, you know, uh, story after story, you know, the Conservative Party's unexpected triumph in British elections, uh, you know, delivers a hefty blow. Hmm. And not only routed the Labour Party, but also the pollsters who predicted a dead heat. That's from the story. Yeah. 
Uh, so it's just it's, it's interesting. I mean, there are, two, there are a number of interesting themes here. Uh, one is that there was an outright victory. So first time in, you know, 20 years, I think the conservatives will govern without a coalition or govern at all. Obviously, a lot of those 20 years they weren't governing. Um, another interesting byplay was the Scottish National Party. Uh, you know, just, you know, within a year ago, uh, within the year, Scotland rejected independence right. in, a, in, a, in a poll, I mean, in an election there. But then elected all but one, I think, of all of the MPs, members of parliament from Scotland, are with the Scottish National Party. And that fact wiped out the Liberal Democrat Party, literally wiped them out. Holy cow. Uh, the, the, uh, the Liberal Democrats, I don't know what they had. They had in the, like 50 plus members, and now they're down to eight. Wow. It's like. Scottish, it, you know, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say, there are some other little wrinkles in this thing, but yeah. Is, That's your question. I'm is sorry, it Matt. well? No, is it? Um, it reminds me a little bit of the midterms, where again we uh, we were expecting, we weren't expecting such a kind of a landslide by Republicans here in the United States, and it also the election reminds me of kind of the the Mitt Romney Obama election where the polls were so off. What is it with polling that makes it so difficult today to get it right? And is there is there a movement is is the is the kind of the conservative movement happening in the UK going to impact us at all? Well, yeah. So those are all really good questions. Um, uh, let's see, just sorting out a little bit. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of writing on what went wrong with the polls, and it is similar in in some people's minds to what happened in our you know, 2012 elections and in the Mitt Romney election. Right. Uh, well, the, I guess we should say the Barack Obama election. <laughs> right. The, the, the 2012, uh, I'm sorry, 2014. Uh, Midterm. Congressional election, then 2012 presidential. Um, one, one, one commentator I read, uh, you know, just a, an observer of polls said, well, maybe when, when you look at the, in Britain as well as here, I mean, if you were watching BBC on Friday morning, and then I, you looked at you go on YouTube and look at all these. Everyone was stunned. They were ashen faced, you know, because I love there, that. The, by the way, the immediate over there is a lot like the media here. It's yeah. very much uh, on the Democrat side of things, and so they were just stunned. They were just stunned by it. So one commentator, British commentator, said, "Well, maybe because the media is so overwhelmingly pro um, uh, Labour Party over there that." People don't tell the pollsters the truth. They don't tell them what they're going to huh. do. Yeah, they just say they either say I'm I'm undecided, and and this person speculated that you know there's like 35 percent. I don't remember, but a, a pretty big number of undecided. And this person said, I doubt that they were undecided at all. They just didn't want to say what they were going to do. Mm. Yeah, so they don't trust one, them. That's one thing. The other thing is it's 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 still pretty hard to predict turnout. It's still pretty hard to say okay who's going to actually show up. At the polls, and you know the the Labour Party, the guy, and there's been a lot of analysis about this that within the Labour Party and outside the Labour Party. But the guy uh, Millibrand, uh, Ed Millibrand, Mil- Milliband, sorry, Milliband, um, was very left wing. He he was at the very progressive edge of the Labour Party. There's been a lot of internal soul searching within the Labour Party, saying you know, hey, maybe we. 
we didn't get it quite right. Maybe right. By vilifying business so much and job creation so much, uh, we didn't. We just didn't quite get it right, and we may have alienated people. So there's um, there's that. It's hard to predict the turnout. The Labor Party may have overplayed its hand, and people don't want to tell pollsters what they're really going to do. Well, and maybe, yeah, maybe polling doesn't, you can't use the old models anymore because so many people don't have home phones. So many people don't have, they, they have all different uses of technology. So a lot of the younger people might not be being polled. They might not be being right. heard, except I guess an exit poll they would have been, uh, which is why maybe if they're if they're not telling you the truth or, or they're not you know, really going to open up. Is this going to impact America at all in our politics? Well, so, you know, some people think it meant there, there, there were some stories that say, you know, maybe there is a, a, a growing belief that government isn't the answer to every problem. Uh, and so, yeah, I, the answer is we don't know that. We say the conservative party, that's what they are. The Tories are yeah. the conservative party over there. They are pretty moderate compared right. to the Republican party here. So, not quite sure how much that's, that's going to translate. But one little interesting uh, storyline, actually, is that you had Jim Messina, yeah. who was President Obama's campaign manager, helping the Tories, helping the conservatives. And you had David Axelrod helping the Labor Party. So you had the two battling. main insiders of yeah. the Obama administration battling. It was really funny. There was tweets back and forth of, of Axelrod conceding, you know, Congratulating his friend. Are you serious? Uh, it's kind of an interesting, funny byplay. But, uh, Does, but yeah, no, the, the, that, that conservative message definitely played in Britain. It's interesting. I didn't know um, that they would switch teams like that. I didn't know that a, a Jim Messina, for example, who here, would he only consult with kind of liberal groups here with with Democrats in the United States, or would 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 these political op guys uh, would they be willing to go to any side just for a check? So generally, if you're a Republican conservative, you only do Republican conservatives, and if you're a Democrat liberal, you only do Democrat liberals. Messina seems to be a little bit of an interesting breed. So one thing he he has um, he is definitely political, but he's also got a background where he's done a lot with corporations. So for example. He's a big player with Uber, the, oh, you know, yeah. the taxi cab competitor. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think he views his portfolio as, you know, maybe mostly or partly, you know, mostly political, but he does a lot of other things. And again, and, and again, going to the conservative party in Britain isn't exactly right. the same as going to the Republican party. I mean, they, yeah. they, they, uh, they have different views on quite a lot of things. Mm. So well, he, he probably wasn't totally out of his uh, uh, ideological spectrum over there. Okay, so he, it's... He, Messina. Now, I wonder if Messina and Axelrod will ever talk again. How, of course. They was, I mean, the whole banter <laughs> between the two of them... Was it just play? It was actually just kind of funny. That's it's, cool. Uh, you know, so they were good, good-natured. Uh, uh, but but Axelrod, you know, recognized that he lost and yeah. Messina won. yeah. Well, I mean, and how, and really, and what a cool way to do it. Um, Joe, let's take a break. We'll come back. I want to discuss some more of the headlines that came up on some of the Sunday shows. Uh, a little bit uh, on Mike Huckabee coming out um, in, uh, in as a candidate for the GOP. Also, Hillary in the media. Um, want to find out a little bit more about that. And, um, and what's going on in Texas? 
It seems like we have a devoid, maybe, of leadership. I don't know. A lot of people in Texas are afraid that uh, the country is going to be, you know, the government's going to come take over Texas. I want to hear Joe's take on that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're doing politics from our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, giving us his insight. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Back after the break. To the Matt Townsend Show, we're talking with our Washington insider. Who better to do that than Joe Cannon? Joe is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation. Go to his website, fuelfreedom.org. He's been a U.S. Senate candidate. He served in the administration under in the EPA during the Reagan administration. He's also been an editor of a major uh, newspaper, Deseret News. And um, just a great guy, but very, very politically connected. Joe, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. You bet. And uh, on your way out of town. So hit me with these things, okay? Uh, Mike Huckabee entered the race. He's he's running. He's going to do it. What uh, Do you think he's going to be able to, you know, return to the success he had in 2008? He, he had a really good showing in the Iowa caucuses. Yeah, he did. He's got a following, and that's... You know, that's good for him. Uh, I think, though, the best headline I saw about Huckabee's entering the race was Huckabee enters race four years too late. <laughs> and uh, I, I just think he might have missed his moment. Yeah. Uh, the uh, He pretty much owned that, uh, you know, conservative Christian uh, uh, kind of you know, way of, yeah. of the electorate. And, and now a lot of people competing for that space. And I just, I just don't see it. But you know, you just, sometimes people will catch fire. You, you know, I'm not on the ground, but I, I will say I, I happened to have lunch last week with a leader of one of the, uh, the pretty major evangelical organizations back hmm. in Washington. Uh, they're not, they're not headquartered in Washington, but they were there. And uh, you know, the, I think for them, even the bloom is off the rose for Huckabee. Is it? So I, I just, I just. I don't see him getting tracked. Well, and he, yeah, it seems like he also lost any cachet you would have had from coming as a governor into, you know, running a race. He's he's getting a lot of bad press on some of his decisions as a governor or a, yeah. after governor, you know, some of the, the things he did to raise money. Right, right. Know, maybe weren't as, you know, positive and healthy as they needed to be. Um which which brings us to another issue about trust um, is is one of the discussions Kathleen Parker from the Washington Post brought up on one of the shows was the trust the it's in decline it seems like we just don't trust our politicians as much and maybe we don't need to um, because Hillary I mean Bill Clinton had lower trust level scores than Bob Dole and Herbert Walker Bush but uh, he won nonetheless. Do do we need to trust our politicians like we used to, or are we just making willing to make decisions as people to you know they're good enough? Oh boy, that's such a thicket to get into. It is. Uh, it's a it's, it's a scary idea. You'd want to trust somehow in my own heart, mind. I believe I would trust 
George Washington and James Madison yeah. and Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, somehow I, I feel like I would trust them. Uh, the, the bad news today is probably a little bit more not the, the fact is you can trust them. Yeah. Fortunately, you can trust them to be politicians. You can <laughs> trust them to act in their self-interest. Right. You can trust them to want to hide things. You can, you, you know, so in a, in a way we're, we don't trust that's a bad use of the word trust, but it's, but, you know, basically, unfortunately, our expectations are very much lower these days of, of the political class. It's like we but don't we don't need to trust their character almost. We just need to trust that they're competent. Well, I think today, more than in any time in my life, and I don't know about the whole history of the country, but but really the D or the R after your name says more than it used to say. I mean, when I was growing up, a lot of people say, "Well, I vote for the you know vote for the man, vote for the person." Uh, wow, now it's uh, it's you know. If you represent this ideology, I'm voting for you, and I'm not going right. to vote for the other person. And so that's how that's how it breaks down. And, and you know, the, the country's pretty divided that way ideologically. So I will say there's an undergirding fear on the Democrat side, and these are I'm talking from the Democrats I've actually talked to, who are, who are political players. Our concern, you know, Pew came out with a study last week that that showed that. You know, people just don't trust Hillary. They think she's strong. They think she's smart. She she gets good good you know marks for a lot of things. But when it comes to trust, it was it was devastatingly low. Hmm. And and so there there are people on the Democrat side that are fearful because you know they there's no not Hillary out there. I mean yeah. there are, but no no one's going to replace her. She still you know wins by huge margins. Among Democrats in all in all of the big primary states, so and, and I don't know. There's a little bit of a dilemma. It may that trust issue may come back to bite someone like Hillary. Yeah, in fact, one of the things they also brought up a lot is she's just not answering questions. She's not uh, Bernie Sanders, I guess. Since he's come into the race, he's asked 31 answered 31 questions to the press. Hillary's answered zero in that same time frame. Carly. Well, the other the other thing about Hillary that is true is she is not her husband. Yeah, you know she just doesn't have that charisma, that charm, that likability that her husband does. So one reaction to that is okay. Well, I'm just going to stay out of the press as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But but at some point too, um, she also has you know traditionally the a, a more left leaning press historically was more willing to let. Maybe that happened. Um, but it seems like, in a way, the media is not as fond of Hillary as they were President Obama. So, no, it, no, so she no seems to have a disadvantage here where they're going to maybe push harder to get something. Right. Is she yeah, – can she go on – I mean, can, how long can one go before they have to – I guess at debates they're going to have to answer questions eventually. I mean, eventually she's going to have to address – the media, on all of these issues that they're starting to throw at her. That's exactly right. And and uh, I think one of the things she's counting on is, is that there will be some amnesia factor come into play that people, you know, that, and this is something they've said in the past. Well, that's old news. Yeah. You know, that, that State Department email thing, that's old news. Uh, oh, that, that Clinton Foundation, yeah, people have looked into that, and we're, we're good, that's old news. <laughs> You know, she's counting on that, and 
may not work this fine. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it actually might be old news if it had been addressed. But again, like even the Benghazi thing, she's now going to come up for hearings again or whatever. And it just – it's not – it doesn't go away. It's just going to keep seemingly coming back. What about uh, leadership? Um, it seems like, okay, there's always been, you know, maybe extremists that thought the government was going to take over. But it seems like this has gone to a whole new level in Texas where, the, you know, military maneuvers that are going on down in Texas, a lot of people in, in a variety of states, in fact, Utah is one of them. They, what is, what could leaders do to make it so that we don't have a bunch of people thinking we're going to go take over Texas? Boy, I don't know what you do with the, the true conspiracy theorists. I think all of the governors, even I think including the governor of Texas, but for sure Governor Herbert in Utah and other governors have sat down with the federal government. They're, they've looked at what this, this whole operation, training operation is. and Nobody seems afraid of it who are the elected officials. I don't I don't know about nobody. There may be state legislators, but uh, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? How, yeah. how this fear factor uh, there, there is a, you know, kind of a still a black helicopter fear out there. Um, on the other hand, sometimes you know, even paranoid people do have enemies. But <laughs> this little go round doesn't seem to be that. Doesn't seem to be uh, the, the, the thing that that even the conspiracy theorists fear. And a lot of the political leadership have come out and tried to say, look, hey, these are just training exercises. Relax, yeah. But but I guess, too, I mean, you, you almost have to, because now um, Ted Cruz is commenting on it. Is that just him playing to those groups that are more conservative, uh, which are seemingly, you know, part of his, his electorate strength, electoral strength? Or is it... Do we at some point you have to lead and kind of speak openly against it? Rand Paul came out and said, "You know, there's probably nothing there. Let's let's move on. It's not it's not a problem." But um, at, at what point do you step out and push against it politically? Well, I think in Ted Cruz's case, he's having a hard time getting traction. Honestly, I think he thought he'd give his you know announcement and that the waters would part and people would start blocking them. That's just not happening. Right. So he's out there, you know, really scrabbling for enough constituents to make a difference in in, in a place like Iowa. And and so I think he is trying to appeal to that, you know, very right edge. When you look at Rubio and Paul, their candidate, I would say their candidates have totally taken off, but they're both doing pretty well in the polls relative to everybody else, and even relative to Bush, where they're, Bush is still ahead in some places, but they're moving up, and he's staying the same or mm-hmm. falling back. But Cruz is basically flatlined. Yeah, he's so he's just probably looking for some attention, any attention. Yeah, and this is an issue. Yeah. What, uh, what, what do we need to be talking about, Joe? What have you been thinking about when it comes to uh, politics that, that's just not on the radar or we're not paying enough attention to? Well, I... I think something of a surprise, and this is in, this is partly me, but partly listening to some of the commentators. I, I I still don't think Harley Fiorina has any chance at all to be president. Oh, yeah. But I do think that she's stirring the pot a lot, and she's getting a lot of second looks from people who normally wouldn't give a second look to someone with no political experience. Yeah. So 
That's so, one little thing. I will say my thinking over the weekend, you know, over the weekend of last week was pretty much dominated by the British elections. I'm a big Anglophile, and, <laughs> and uh, I, I love that the Conservative Party won in such a surprising way. I think that was a, that was a lot of fun to watch. It's always fun, to, it seems like, to have kind of an upset, a seeming upset, or even, yeah, I mean, just such a surprise um, especially when the media was so surprised by it. That's, it's just fun sometimes to watch them scramble. Yeah, yep, yep. yep. And, uh, and to see them try to figure out what, you know, that maybe they didn't have their finger on the pulse. Well, we appreciate you, Joe. Um, great work. Have a safe flight uh, and also safe trip to China as well. We do appreciate you. And everybody, go check out the website, fuelfreedom.org. Fuelfreedom.org, uh, just a great you know, group of people trying to lower your fuel costs here in the United States and change legislation and, and simplify some of the processes so that we can uh, keep it cheaper here and, you know, improve the economy by doing that. We'll take a break. My friends, come back, continue the discussion. Uh, you know, check back into James, with James. I mean, it's just so fun to see James back. He's got a big, big, big smile on his face. He hasn't stopped smiling the entire time he's been here. James Birdsall. And he gave me a picture of himself, a glamour shot even. Had a boa. It was beautiful. Blown in the wind. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Man, I can't stop looking at this James Birdsall photo. He autographed it to Matt. Take luck. Jimmy Birdsall. It's hot. It's a really good photo. What you do with your mic over there, Terry? I broke it. (laughs) You break it, you buy it. Uh, That really is a great photo. And... um, James is back, uh, doesn't want to talk about the honeymoon much. Uh, we had a lot of stuff we wanted to talk about, but he's quiet. He did go to a movie, and he called us last Friday. Yep. Did you get my 53 phone calls? Uh, once again, phone was on silent, so uh, I guess you know when I checked it one day, it was like, oh, looks just, like somebody called, and I just kind of swiped the notifications away. So, Like all 53 of them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, you, you, There's a button to clear all, so I no, just, you just hit that one. Hit that one, and have you listened to the messages? Because there's some important stuff. Oh, really? The first ten were it's just a 53 part poem that he wrote just for you. The first ten wow. were kind of just wasted, you know. But it was just me, like, where are you? And then I was told that you were on your honeymoon. Then the next twenty, twenty five have a lot of important stuff on them. And then the last twenty just were me making fun. I'll have my people listen to him. Your yeah. people? Did you get people? Yeah, I have people now. He hired a staff over the weekend. Wow. You know, when you're married, you just get so busy. So I, I got people. Apparently you're wealthy, too. <laughs> my um, my wealthiest days are right when we got married. My wife was a school teacher. We were loaded. We were so rich. Rich. But she made 1300 a month. I love it. I, I'm excited for those days, too, when we're making like... Like fifteen thousand a year, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, we've made large. it. Yeah, we're set. This I mean, your rent, it. your rent's like only eight hundred. 
Yeah, pretty much. Half of your check. Anyway, anything going on in the news over other the, than James coming back and over the weekend. having a team, a posse? Lots of our possible and declared presidential candidates spoke Yes, in various places. Uh, one of them was the South Carolina Freedom Summit. Free, uh, it sounds really interesting. Mm, depends. Okay, what, what was the— Rick Santorum spoke. Okay. Former senator, and uh, he uh, has said at the end of the month he will possibly make a decision on running for president or not. Yeah. So he Good. speaks. So and he'll get in, maybe. He said the U.S. military should escalate its campaign against ISIS. He said, uh, if these folks want to return to a 7th century version of Islam, then let's load up our bombers and bomb them back to the 7th century. So okay. there's an option. Well, there's another option. <laughs> ben Carson. Yes. He's a, as they call him here, a presidential aspirant. Yes. He said Sunday that he wasn't sold on the Supreme Court's longstanding authority to rule on the constitutionality of laws. Okay, he's not quite convinced. Let me just speak non-political talk. Not convinced that the Supreme Court has the right to comment or or uh, speak about laws. Yes. What does he think they do then? He says, we need to get into a discussion on this because it has changed from the original intent. Okay. The laws of the land, according to our Constitution, are provided by the legislative branch. The yeah. laws of the land are not provided by the, the uh, judiciary. So he would say that the, the judiciary is actually making laws, not, and which is the job of the branch of the legislation. Yeah. The yeah. judiciary is supposed to rule on the constitutionality, mm-hmm. not make laws. Right. But uh, since 1803, uh, decision in Marbury versus Madison. Oh, yeah. They've, that, uh, that's kind of, I, I guess, seen as the, uh, the point where they can adjust and, and kind of make laws in a sense when they rule that they change a law. Yeah. And so in, in, in a, they make it a new law. And uh, Carson raised eyebrows on, suggesting the executive branch could ignore the Supreme Court's upcoming ruling on same-sex marriage. Okay. So that's where he stands on that. Okay. Mike Huckabee on Sunday attempted to distance himself from his past as a spokesperson for a dubious dietary supplement. He goes, I don't, that ha- again. I don't have to defend everything that I've ever done. Yeah, that was a weird interview. And then he then he had to like kind of filibuster. He had to fill some time because let's not go there. He this was on uh, Face the Nation. He he was asked about his peddling of pills supposedly capable of reversing diabetes. Yeah, which doesn't happen. Maybe someday. Not right now. Maybe, yeah. Uh so he says that my past doesn't matter. It's what I am right now. Well, again, this is what – if that's true, then we should just – everyone walk away from Hillary. Right. But they're not going to do that. Past matters. So, yeah. Right. Very interesting. Jeb Bush says that he would have invaded Iraq in 2003 were he the president. And uh, even given what we know today about Iraq's lack of weapons of mass destruction, however, he said that he thinks almost everyone, including Hillary Clinton, would have made the same decision. Based on the yeah. information they had at the time. At the time, yeah, everybody kind of blew it. And that's kind Except of what we Barack figured. Obama. Barack Obama did not blow it. Wasn't he the one? He was one of the dissenters. Let's not do that. Was he? I'm not sure. We'd have to look that up. Pretty sure he was. I'm not up on everyone's voting record. Because as Mike You're Huckabee not? says, I don't have to defend everything I've ever done, so does the past matter? Apparently, it just matters situationally when it, you need it to matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Politicians. Yeah. 
I think Ber- it's great. Bernie Sanders, your favorite politician, mm-hmm. mainly because of his Bernard. hair. Yeah. He uh, has uh, – he's been railing against the Patriot Act. That's going coming up for renewal here pretty soon. And uh, he thinks it's uh, overreaching. And then Dewey goes, do we really want to live in a country where the NSA gathers data on virtually every single phone, a phone call in the, in the United States, including as many as 5 billion cell phone records per day? He goes, I don't. Me either. Do we really want a government to collect our emails, see our text messages, know everyone's internet browsing history, monitor bank and credit card transactions, keep tabs on people's social networks? No. I I don't. Yeah. He's got this sort of rallying thing. I don't know if people were cheering back. Because I want to cheer. His groups have been kind of small. So he's been talking about privacy. Uh, Patriot Act expires at the end of the month. He also is talking about uh, a bill to break up two big-to-fail banks. Really? He says, as uh, last week on Wednesday, proposed legislation that would dismantle behemoth banks and move a move that could pressure Hillary Clinton to ratchet up her populist rhetoric at the, as the White House race gets underway. Entitled the or the bill's titled "Too Big to Fail, Too Big to Exist" Act, the bill would require federal regulators to drop a list of banks whose collapses would devastate the entire economy. The Treasury would then have one year to break up those institutions. In a statement, Sanders said that the list would initially include at Hold least eight it. banks, including Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, and more. It seems like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth because he wants he doesn't want big government spying. Yeah. But he does he's fine with big government destroying there, companies. There, there's no conflict here. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't mean to be technical here. It's, but uh, Bernie it, It's the same problem I've many a politician gets into. You want hands off, but yeah. in certain situations you want hands on. Which tells us maybe there's not a principle behind this. It's just a practice. Whichever practice we like, we go with the practice. But at some point, there's a principle here, right? So you'd hope stay in or stay out. Yeah. So he wants them in and out, in and out, in and out, in for this, out for that. So stay out of my life, but get into all these banks and break them up. He's. I like him better when he's not when he's just screaming. Really, Bernie's just a loud talker. Is he more interesting when he's off the hook? Yeah, per se. Versus when he's actually giving ideas. Okay. Not that I'm so against his when, ideas. When he's just, like a caricature. I like him a lot more as a caricature. Okay. But he's not going to move Hillary anywhere. No. She's not She's but not moving anywhere whether Bernie – He's not taking super PAC money. Right. He's calling press conferences just with a microphone out yeah. on a grassy area outside 30, the Capitol. He's answered 31 questions since he got into her zero. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. It's – so – but he's – until there's a debate – She's not going to even respond to the dude. No. She's just going to pat him on the head and say, Bernie, <laughs> you're killing me. Comb your hair. Comb your hair, Bernie. Good stuff. Uh, that's it. Hour number one. It's in the can, my friends. We'll take a break. Come back. Next hour, we're going to be talking about uh, Parenting 101. Free-range kids up next hour on the Matt Townsend Show. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, the show where we give you the tools, the solutions, 
We give you the interviews with the people that uh, can help you live longer, love stronger, and lead the people you're with. This is the show. And back uh, with a big cheesy grin. James Lamar Birdsall. From Honeymoon. Man, that's you're playing a lot of uh, buttons today. Yeah. They're, it's, they're it's called day. drops. Yeah. You're playing a lot of drops today. Dropping the beat. Not really, but... Dropping the Motab. Motab, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem to work that way. Um, uh, Terry's also here. Yes. You done breaking? Yeah, I don't know what happened with that. You touched the microphone and it yeah. just fell off the boom, the yeah. arm here, and I'm so I had to triage. I fixed it. It's all right. Glad, I'm just glad you're back. Mike Pond's in the house. He's, uh, you know, he's so relieved. He was so relieved when he saw you today, James, because now he doesn't have to run the board. Like, and he's plus he thinks you're great. It's probably the most stressed he's ever been in his life. Oh yeah. Just he didn't talk week. for an entire week. Yeah, when I actually walked in the, the room this morning, he was on the ground, curled up in yeah. fetal position, yeah. shaking. Oh, that's how we did it every day. Oh, really? Uh-huh. It's the hardest It's the hardest way to run the board. It from the floor? From underneath the board. Yes, it's quite a reach. It's, it's just not easy. You get used to it after a while, though. But now he looks good. Relaxed as ever. Don's even in the house. Don's in the house. Everybody's here except me. You're here. Yeah. Hey, we got a great show today. Uh, you ever heard of these free-range kids? Yes. Mm, they're great on toast. Yeah. It's, it's what I, I – whenever, whenever you hear that term free-range kids, yeah, you're, you're thinking like, well, kids without antibiotics, kids that are just running wild. I mean, organic. What, what, yeah, kids. are they more organic than other kids? <laughs> well, but yeah, organic. It's an interesting concept. Of not being a helicopter parent. Lenore Skenazy is going to join us, the head of Free Range Kids. She's the mom that you remember that many years ago let her child at the age of nine take the subway alone. Horrible parent. Horrible. Now she has a website and an organization that she's trying to, uh, I guess, push these ideas and explain to people that you can let your kid grow up by themselves to some level. Yeah, she's been dubbed America's worst mom. And we thought after Mother's Day, it'd be great to have the worst mom on there. Right. Makes total sense. But the reality is, is she just thinks we're all way uptight. Yes. Probably never safer than ever. Today's the safest time for our children. And what to, if you bring this concept up, and the idea is you, you let your kids live their life, you can say, okay, go to the park. We'll see you in a few hours. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. Whereas some parents, there's no way I'm coming with you. Mm-hmm. you know, there's dangers. And there are dangers, but should we really be that... I guess, to a level of paranoia about the dangers. Well, and she lived in New York City. Right. And she puts her kid on the subway, which yeah. I would never so do. So some would say, well, yeah, New York's different than, you know, Des Moines. And I've, I brought this topic up with, with people and they thought, well, when I was a kid, we just – you go out and you play until the streetlights come on oh, and yeah. then you come home and your parents are fine. But if you ask them to do the similar thing, they're not going to let their kid out of right. the house almost without we, them. We used to – in a rainstorm, we'd all run to the gutters and sit in the gutters and float down the gutters. Right. Now, that's just poor parenting. <laughs> but we could float for miles and then hitchhike a ride back. Nobody cared. And look how we turned out. We're fine. We're fine. Yeah, and that's the – so it's a, a different as, a different concept of parenting, a different idea, a different approach. Yeah. 
That's coming up. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Because we're all, you know, we're all parents except for James. He'll be there. You didn't have you didn't pick up a kid in the last week that we didn't know about. No, not, not that I know about. And we found you on a stoop. Uh, anything else going on? Speaking of last couple of weeks, stoops. we've been hearing about uh, the migration problem. Yes, across the Mediterranean from Libya, northern yeah, Africa all to Europe, drowning. And some people actually make that perilous journey. In safety, and some people obviously, as we read, as we talked about, have died. The European Union's executive body is set to propose new measures this week on migrant quotas for each of the 28 member countries, sharing the responsibility for the thousands of refugees entering Europe through the Mediterranean. The European Commission is scheduled to unveil a proposal Wednesday in the wake of the migrant boat crisis, basing quotas on a redistribution key determined by GDP, population size, unemployment rate, and past numbers of asylum seekers. So so instead of uh, Italy and just the countries along the Mediterranean dealing right. with it, they want to push it inland, push it into Europe, Germany, yeah. way in so everybody that everyone – needs to share the joy. Or the you know so humanitarian aid, if you Well, yeah, and, and also that way they're all – it's kind of like when all of the people were crossing the border of Mexico into the United States, they wanted those children distributed throughout the entire United States. Yes, and they were. Just, they were – they were shipped to New York and right. all over the place. So this is their plan. Okay. It's not a popular one. Yeah. Germany's all for it. Oh, they are. The UK is not for it. Yeah. Other countries are not as uh, happy with this. The news comes just before the uh, European Union's top diplomat plans to ask un- the United Nations on Monday for military action off the Libyan coast in an effort to crack down on trafficking networks as they attempt to smuggle migrants across the waters. So they're trying to stop them from even getting on the boats. So let's go stop this human trafficking situation. Right. So they want permission from the U.N. to go into northern Africa and just militarily fix it. Let's stop this. So we'll see how that goes. While, okay. while there's broad support within the EU for the military plans, the proposal for sharing the immigration burden is highly controversial. On Sunday, the U.K. Home Office said the plans were unacceptable to uh, to the uh, to the UK, the Prime Minister Cameron, on, he's on a he's on a collision course with the German Chancellor Ang- Angela Merkel and other EU leaders as he begins attempts to renegotiate Britain's relationship with Brussels ahead of a promised in-out referendum in 2017. So uh, the United Kingdom's new government is looking at possibly using this as leverage when mm. it comes to this 2017 option, so they can opt out of being in the European Union. Oh wow! Here we go. And I think they would be—they're the, the second biggest economy. The Germans, the, the biggest economy in the European Union, and UK is the second. And they're looking at maybe backing out because they don't necessarily want to be part of this migration issues. Interesting. So interesting. Keep an eye on that. See, story. they're having—we're having our border issue, kind of our migration. They're having their theirs. Uh, let's see here. We talked about jobs reports last week. The Bureau of Labor Statistics showed just five point four percent unemployment. A less noticed figure paints a grimmer picture for the economy. The labor force participation rate is at 62% and a record 93 million Americans are not in the labor force. Wow. 93 million? So when you hear 5.4% unemployment, Don't that doesn't represent it. the 93 million who aren't even looking for a job. Yeah, they've get, they, those, are, those are only people looking. Some have disenchanted. Some have given up. Some have early retired. Some are done. But it seems like it says here. It seems like a distinction. It's like minor doesn't really matter, but it's important to be unemployed. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, means you're an adult who does not have a job. 
and has actively looked for work in the prior four weeks and is currently available for work to be out of the labor force is to be an adult who does not have a job and who's not looking. Hmm. So there's 93 million Americans in our economy. 62% of the people are employed. 93 million people aren't even looking for a job. So that's why these numbers, sometimes you wonder, are we even counting the same numbers that we did five years ago? You know, are we just pretending? It's all for pretend. And a pig named Giggles is running for mayor of Flint, Michigan. Come again? A man behind the Giggles writing candidacy candidacy is an an area defense attorney named Michael Ewing, who explained his decision to run the pig thusly on the Giggles the the Pig for Mayor Facebook page. He says, (laughs) started because one of the city council members was convicted of murder. He He announced he was running for mayor. And goes, that made somebody giggle, so they thought, let's he, call him he Giggles. He goes, I, I'm pretty forgiving, but I've really strongly opposed a murder. Yeah. Uh, another on the uh, council was accused of drug possession mm-hmm. and arrested. Okay. So there's two guys running so for we mayor. Have somebody, a murderer and a- uh, Drug possession. Drug possession. Anything else? Like, so, and so then they're like- There's Giggles. Is this a council meeting? That would be a council meeting. So they put Giggles up to run for election- and Giggles sounds mad. He goes, the same mayoral candidate has been thrown at the, the, the one that's been uh, driving drunk and there's murder charges. Basically, there's some wonderful people on the city council. Well, it seems like Flint needs some serious politicians there. The the, the attorney, like Giggles. the local attorney who is backing Giggles says, uh, Flint deserves a better candidate than this. While yes. reading about these people, it occurred to me that Giggles would be a more dignified candidate than the other two. <laughs> the city councilman who was once convicted of murder posted a rant against Giggles, threatening a victory barbecue featuring the pig. <laughs> Ooh. That's like a death threat. Yes. From a convicted murderer. I wouldn't. Oh, I'd take that serious. That is, you know what? Giggles the pig. What if Giggles wins? What do you mean? What if he wins the election? Well, then you have a pig on the city council. Wow. What? Did, what? Wasn't there a press conference, James? Do, do we have audio of the press conference? This is a press conference with Giggles. Wow, he sounds like there's a lot of people there. Right. He's talking tax policy oh, right now. I heard a cow, too. That's probably the, a journalist, I guess. There you go. Wow. Uh, I think he set his platform right there. This is what he's running on. Uh-huh. And he'll be better than a murderer or a drunk driver. Doesn't he have subsidies for the pig farmers? Probably. Actually, taking back any subsidies given to pig farming. All politicians have an agenda, so yes. Interesting. <laughs> Giggles the pig. What is happening in Flint? Apparently, they have politicians who are uh, shady, and this guy is making it into a joke because he figures, you know why not? The pig's going to win. The pig's going to win. And then there's going to be an assassination attempt. And then a killer barbecue. It's scary. But I'm glad. Great job on that audio, James. Good to have you back. Way to capture, uh, to find the press conference. That's got to be hard audio to find. We'll take a break, my friends. When we come back, uh, <laughs> Lenore Skenazy is going to be joining us. She is the founder of the Free Range Kids Movement and uh, the website freerange.com, also known as the world's worst mom. She's going to teach us how we may actually be negatively impacting our children if we treat them like they're just a bunch of broken people. 
This is the Matt Townsend. We'll be talking about it up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, maybe it all started with that creepy kid snatcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But child care has been a huge concern in recent years. And in April, the story of the Maryland parents letting their kids walk home alone, only to have their kids picked up by police and taken to Child Protective Services, it sparked a huge conversation. Lenore Skenazy is joining us. She's the author of Free Range Kids and was once labeled by the media as America's worst mom for letting her son ride the subway alone. Since then, she's been promoting the idea of free-range parenting. She joins us, joins us now to talk about her book and what it means to be a free-range parent. Uh, Mrs. Skenazy, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. And, man, I, I love your approach here. I mean, yeah. you're, you're bold. <laughs> you are the worst mom, apparently, in the history there of the go. world. But I, I also love that um, you're, you you don't want our children to feel like they're disabled. No, ironically, that that's that's a word I sometimes use. Yeah. In that um, across the country, and I give talks all across the country, and um, what I've learned is that sometimes in the schools when they have an auction, you know, to raise money for the grammar school, right, right, the elementary school, one of the things they auction off is the drop-off place directly in front of the school. So you can pay, you know, it's a big money maker. Yeah. And actually, I went to a school, and I saw, and there was a the plaque on the little fence near it, and it said, you know, reserved for auction winner. And they had actually spray-painted over the handicap sign oh. <laughs> that was on the, the, the pavement. Oh, on the interesting, asphalt. yeah. And so basically you have parents vying for the opportunity to treat their child as if the kid is handicapped. Had a real disability. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting because it's it's so metaphoric. It's like a good parent today uh, um, is one who acts like their kid can't do anything without a lot of extra help. Because aren't our our children are safer today than they've ever been, aren't they? Oh my God! All I do is write about this. Yes, we're at a fifty year crime low. Crime is back to the rate it was actually fifty two years ago, nineteen sixty three. Wow. And and then sometimes people say, oh, well, of course we're at a crime low because we're helicoptering our children and we never let them out unsupervised. But actually, all crime is down. Uh, you know, murder, burglary, arson, rape, and assault against adults as well as kids are down. And we're not helicopter parenting the parents. Right. So crime right. is actually down. I mean, it's something that's very hard to feel in your heart. And I'm, I'm tapping my own heart now because yeah. it is a scary thing to think about crime. But... um but the fact of the matter is, you know, we're we're at uh, here in New York City where I live, we're at the lowest murder rate since reliable records have been kept. Oh my heavens. Yeah. And yet and yet you it was 8 years ago you let your 9-year-old child mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. you you let him basically go from a from a store to, from Macy's, was it? to No, from Bloomingdale's. From Bloomingdale's, right. Just get on the subway and you let him come home. He wanted to do that. He wanted, yeah. he, he basically said, drop me off, let me find my way home. That's exactly what he said. Um, he was keen to be a grown-up. I mean, not that we were going to let him, you know, drive a truck across country or right. anything. But, you know, when you're a kid, you want wheels. And if you're in the suburbs, I think you want a bike or roller skates. And if you're here in New York City and we're on the subway all the time, and that's the way six million people uh, get around on a daily basis, it just seems like, why can't that be you? And in fact, 
you know, what, by the time you're in, I can't remember, second or third grade, the schools actually give Metro cards, which are the cards that get you on the subway, out to kids um, if they need them. So it's not unheard of to be a younger kid taking the subway. So so when, once he started asking, my husband and I had to think about whether this made sense, and we decided it did um, because we're on the subways all the time. We see that they're crowded, but they're safe. And... Um, he understood how the subways worked, but, and he could speak the language. He could read. Yeah. And he said yes, and I let him take the subway home one sunny Sunday, um, and from Bloomingdale's, which is obviously a, uh, Bloomingdale's is a really fancy department store and a really fancy zip code. Right um, down to Thirty Fourth Street, which you've heard of from yeah. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, same, yep. same street, one of my favorite movies. And then, um, and then he took the bus across town to get to our apartment building. And when he came home, he was like uh, levitating. Was he? Say. Was he excited? Yes. He did it. Yes, yes. I mean, do you remember like something when you were a kid when you finally oh, yeah. grew up? Big gulp. When I ate my, like, when I drank my first big gulp or I ate my first Big Mac, <laughs> I knew I was a man. Right. But but I I used to ride a bike to school every day like two and a half miles across wow. big roads and that was not a big deal. But everyone it now would a big deal. That's a huge yeah. deal now. It is such a huge deal. I mean, that's why I can wake up in the morning and blog yet again yeah. about this same interesting moment in history because I feel like at some point, you know, maybe in 200 years, somebody's going to excavate my blog and look at this weird moment in history when we went from <laughs> trusting children. When I, was, when I was a kid walking to school at age five in kindergarten, which was not unheard of because everybody did it, my crossing guard was 10. You know, yeah. this is somebody approved of by right. the school district, obviously trusted by all the parents who were sending their children to school. And, and now we're arresting a 10-year-old who's walking home from his local park with his kid sister. Yeah. I mean, that is such a giant leap from, from trust and rationality to absolute terror and, I would say, socially imposed hysteria that it's like watching, you know, it's like watching the rise of the Third Reich sometimes, I think. It's like, how could an entire culture suddenly believe something that they did not believe 30 or 40 years earlier? Are, are we, it's almost like we're trying to make up the mistakes of the past because we were all probably left alone more than we should have been. And we didn't even have seatbelts mm. back then. But well, in reality, are, it didn't matter. Well, seatbelts, I think, do matter. But the, the interesting thing about seatbelts versus walking to school is that Putting on a seatbelt does not change the experience for you. You, you right. get in a car, you still go in the car. You just have the seatbelt on you or not. But getting in a car and being driven to school versus walking to school are two completely different experiences. Mm-hmm. And the message that a child gets is completely different. One is, I trust you. I trust our community. You know, the world isn't perfect, but I, you know, I think you can deal with it. And the other is, I am your bodyguard. Everybody is out to get you. I love you so much that I think that you're going to be hurt, and you can't handle it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what we're going back to the disability idea. It's like mothers and fathers have all this power. And I don't even blame moms and dads for being nervous because you don't have an entire culture suddenly deciding to drive its kids to school or supervise their every moment or arrest parents who let their kids play outside unless there's been you know, a whole social shift. And that's what we have had. We've just had this fear shoved down our throats for, I'd say, 30 or possibly 40 years at this point, to the point where, you know, it's like if you were breathing in, you know, coal dust every day, (laughs) your lungs would get black, you know, whether you, you know, whether you could, you didn't have an, uh, an alternative. That's the air that you're breathing. And that's what I feel the air we're breathing in now is just, what terrible thing could happen to your child? Stay tuned next, and then it's next. Uh, 
It's so I I totally see it too, and and I mean it's even it's even in the nice suburbs. I mean I I would be afraid of the subway, but you grew up with the subway. Your kids grew up with the subway. It's just we need. It's almost like we need to we need to create some careful children, but empowered with the skills and the tools. And instead, it just seems like we're creating fearful children. Well, we have fearful adults, and so they are. You know, whether they're making their kids fearful or not, I always worry about like yeah, blaming cause and effect, for, right? Yeah, and also the idea that like uh, you know one of the things that bums me out about our culture is the idea that everything you do is supposedly going to have this enormous impact <laughs> on your child's development. Right. And, you know, did you give them an organic grape or not? And did you send it? Did you beg for this preschool teacher and not the other? Which I did. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, yeah, I, you I want did, the best. And, I, I did, and you know what? I got the one I thought was going to be this horrible meanie, and here my kid is now. He's 17. I still love her. I got an email from her the other day. I was wrong. So, you know, the idea that you even know what's yeah. the best choice all the time is a false one. But if you're told that everything looms large and this is the difference between your kid's safety or um, endangerment or this is the difference between your kid going to community college versus Harvard, which is the other thing that we're constantly um, supposed to be worrying about, you know, is this moment teachable? Have we wasted at a moment, hmm. you know, it's it's a society that's sort of just uh, determined to make parents feel like they're doing it all wrong. Oh, so yeah. I don't want to say you're doing it wrong if you don't do it free range, because frankly, most kids are going to turn out fine no matter what. Yeah, they're very resilient. We're talking again with Lenore Skenazy, and she is uh, the author of the book Free Range Kids, How to Raise Self or Safe Self-Reliant Children. Also, the website, you really got to go, you got to go find the website because... There's so many resources and tools there. The website's called freerangekids.com. We'll take a break, come back more with Lenore, and uh, I really want to hear what else she thinks we should be doing. What should we be doing as parents to make sure our kids can become self-reliant and yet still be safe? It's not an all-or-nothing proposition. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us on the phone is Lenore Skenazy, who is the author of the book Free Range Kids, How to Raise Safe, Self-Reliant Children. You've heard a lot in the news recently. Um, uh, I'm sure you remember back in 09 or so when this mom let her child, Lenore, let her, her son go on the subway by himself and 45 minutes later made it home unscathed. She didn't bind him and blind him and drug him she she let a boy who was familiar and and well prepared and had a map and had some extra money get home and he did it and it boosted his self-esteem i had a mom that my parents were divorced and uh, i had a single mom i'd get on the roof of my house and change my air conditioner um you know, the the filters and stuff on the air conditioner and get our air conditioner running, climbing a ladder onto the roof in the middle of the day when my mom wasn't home. And I was doing that from about 10 on. And I felt like the coolest stud in the world because I could get the air conditioner working. I think that's what Lenore's trying to teach us is that we can raise self-reliant kids and have them be safe 
without creating, you know, a fear that the world is against him. Lenore, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you, Matt. I love that story. Um, it illustrates something that I talk a lot about in my lectures, which is, um, you know, when you think back, there's usually somebody in your past who made you feel terrible about yeah. yourself, like you were a loser or ugly or you'd never be loved, you know, you were dumb, whatever. And um, when I have the audience, I sometimes do this, I don't always do this, but sometimes I have the audience close their eyes and think for a minute about this person who just made them feel terrible. And then I ask, where did you feel it? And it's in the stomach, it's in your brain, it's on your shoulders, it's in your lungs, it's on your heart. You know, it's this horrible feeling. And then there's that feeling you just described where you felt like the stud of the world because someone, in this case, your mother, believed in you. I mean, she believed in you so much she was treating you like an adult, somebody that she actually could depend on. And trust not to be a jerk, not to jump off, you know, to be cautious and to actually help her out with something that she couldn't do. And, of course, that makes your lungs fill. It's like the wind beneath your wings. Your mom believes in you. And I I, I point out that sometimes when we do everything with our kids, when we're next to them all the time, uh, you know, when we're exhorted to never let them out of our sight, um, the message that the kids get is, yes, mom loves, loves, loves you. That's not the question. Dad, too. But, but... She doesn't believe in you. Hmm. Yeah, she doesn't trust that you can do it. She doesn't trust you. She's not willing to hand over any responsibility. It's like, you know, she's the boss and you are just too vulnerable and maybe too dumb to help her out. And it's not it's not those words that are given. It's not quite that crass or that cruel. But it is. But the opposite is true, that you can make your kid feel very important and not in a jerky, um, smug way, um, by gradually loosening the reins the way our parents generally did for us. And what what kills me is that, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. I mean, she quit her job so she could stay at home, but they stayed at home. Right. The stay-at-home family back then, you know, they actually stayed at home because they did trust us to make our way. And it wasn't that my mom thought there was no crime or that there were no creeps out there, but she could keep a grip on the, you know, sort of the odds. She could keep perspective. And also she trusted me, you know, and she taught me, you know, never get into a car with anyone. Look both ways before crossing the street. If you need help, ask for it. Um, but then she let me go because she did believe in me. And that's been a very powerful um, help for me, I'd say, my whole life. Those are the skills they need, though, right? That, I mean, it's not abandonment. It's just no. we're going to give you the free range. We're going to let you kind of roam. We're going to let you wander. But you're going to you will be skilled at how to deal with people, when to fear, when to run, how to read things. Mm-hmm. Is that your goal? Of course, that's my goal. I mean, I really think you know. I call it free range kids because it needed a name because there was helicopter parenting and there wasn't sort of the opposite. Right. But um. But, you know, it actually has something in common with helicopter parenting, that we both want our kids to be safe and happy and rise to the occasion and flourish, Um, and we love them so much. But mine just believes that um, this old-fashioned way of gradually the parent steps back and the child steps forward, and I realize how hard it is today. I mean, there was that video last week that went completely viral um, with a man showing how easy it is to lure a three-year-old out of the park with a puppy, which is right. a bizarre experiment because yeah. the mom is sitting right there and there's a camera crew <laughs> and um, it's a sunny, bright day with lots of kids around. That's not, you know, that just doesn't make sense even as any kind of scenario. Um, but what he was quoted as saying over and over again is that this is going to save a life because it's going to teach parents that 24-7 they can never leave, the, you know, let their eyes off their own kids. And I'm thinking that's, 
first of all, you can't do it if you have more than one kid. Sure. <laughs> you know? That's unrealistic, and right? It's unrealistic, and, it's, um, and it is acting as if you're living in, a, you know, a, a video game, like, like, you know, Doom, Halo, you know, mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now. I mean, and, and thank God we're not. I mean, as I said earlier, not only are we at a crime low, uh, you know, a 50-year crime low at this point, but um, kids have always walked to school. Kids in the rest of the world still walk to school starting at age seven. It's just... You know, whole countries send their kids without their parents right. to school at age seven. So how do we get back this confidence that I'm talking about to even let go at all? Because when you see videos like that that are scary and when the media repeats them as if there's some legitimacy, it becomes almost impossible to say, I do trust my kid in this world because the world seems so, so doom-filled. So what I've started doing is when I lecture at schools, um, I try to get the school to sign on to do what I call the Free Range Kids Project, and I'll explain it really briefly. Right, yeah. Um, basically, it is the teachers tell the kids maybe even what they used to do themselves as children, and then they say, so here you are, and you're, it can be anybody from age kindergarten up through eighth grade, um, although I really like it for kids like fourth grade up. Um, I'd love for you to go home and ask your parents if you can do one thing that you feel you're ready to do that for one reason or another you haven't done yet. Hmm. And the one thing would be walking the dog, making dinner, um, getting yourself up and to the bus stop, uh, anything like that, riding your bike to the library, anything that we wouldn't have even given a second thought um, a generation ago, but that has become almost taboo. And generally the parents say yes because the school is endorsing it and because it's a one-shot deal. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's sort of the secret sauce. Because then, like I'll tell you about one kid, uh, this was a school in Menlo Park that did this. The kid was in fifth grade, and he'd been begging his parents all year long, please let me ride my bike to the school. Menlo Park is, you know, where Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook lives. Right. I mean, it's, it's a very safe neighborhood. <laughs> but the parents the parents had said no. The dad was actually more fearful in this case. Usually it's the mom, but in this case it was the dad. And it's like, no, there's traffic. There's, there's too many distractions. No, 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 no. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but then uh, for the project, when he asked once again, they still said no. But they wanted him to do something, so they said, okay, you can ride your bike to your friend's house, which is closer than the school, on a Saturday when there's less traffic. And so the boy was ecstatic. Finally, 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 his parents are letting him do it. So he rode to his friend's house, and by the time he rode back, you know, the parents had, you know, sort of calmed down. Okay, he'd gotten to the friend's house. He made it. He made it. He got home. He was so happy. He was so grateful to his parents for letting him do it, and they were so proud like, hey, look, you know, <laughs> come to think of it, in fifth grade, I was riding all over the city. You know, yep. when they see the kid come back happy and proud, they feel so happy and proud that it breaks through the fear. It always has. When you see your kid walking, you don't say, oh, I wish he would crawl for the rest of his life. You go, <laughs> look, my kid is walking. Look, look, yep. look. You send a video to the grandparents, right? And so after that, that was on a Saturday, right? On Tuesday, the dad looks at the mom and says, why don't we let him ride his bike to school? And the mom said, okay. Wow. And he's been riding his bike ever since. See? Yeah. And it works. I mean, so it's it really, works. it is, you almost have to just break that first barrier and then right. allow a little bit more risk within range. Yeah. And, you know, when we say risk, you know, it's as if it's yeah. allowing risk and otherwise there's no risk. There's risk in everything. There's risk That's in exactly driving right. your kid to school. Actually, That's right. the number one way kids die is, is being driven, not to school, but being driven, period. And so... Um, if you go on freerangekids.com, at the top on the little tab bar, uh-huh. yeah. um, there's a thing that says FRK Project, and it just explains it in a little more detail. And I would 
you know, I mean, I love giving lectures and I do it all over the country. It's the only way I make my living. But you don't need me to come to your school. Yeah, you could just do the project. project. You can just do the project. And, you know, the, the social workers and the psychologists at the schools and the principals write me back afterwards and say, like, wow, everybody is bragging about what their kids can do That's now. so great. And it's then get so those fast. stories shared. And then yeah. – because, so, you know, I think some of it, too, is we're afraid of losing our position with our children. We're afraid of them moving on. But I'm I'm convinced that this is going to impact them longer. I see kids even at the university here at Brigham Young that you're wondering mm-hmm. if their parents are going to come in and do their test. <laughs> I've heard of that. You know, and that. I've heard of them, you know, arguing for grades. I think it's uh, not common, but I have heard of that. Yeah. But it's good. It's good. We we need this independence. And then I, everyone's like, well, there are some kids that can't handle it. Well, really? Then then just do a different activity. Right, right, right. You can do a different Find thing. the I mean, one they can handle and work from right. there. I, one quick story, which is yeah. that a woman once wrote to me. Um, she has a child with special needs, and she noticed something odd at kindergarten. Um, because at kindergarten, there's the special needs classroom is across from the, I guess, the neurotypical is the politically correct term for mm. the other classroom, yeah. sort of the regular classroom. And she says that on the special needs side, she and the other moms are saying, come on, you can take off your backpack. Good, good. Okay, now where does it go? Right, good. Huh. And encouraging all the independence they can in their kids because they know that that's their job. They are desperate to try to make their kids as independent as they can because life will demand that of them as the years go by and certainly as the parents aren't there anymore. But across the hall, the other parents are going, here, let me unbutton that for you, honey. Oh, that's heavy. Let me lift it for you because they've forgotten just how important independence is. They're they're lucky enough that they don't have to think about it. Well, I think we should all think about it. No, totally, because this is this isn't going away either, right? And right. but it's it is the social mirror. If I keep mirroring back to you that you're dysfunctional and you can't handle this, then you might not ever try. Well, you know, like I said, eventually kids are going to go away from home, and they're, they're not all going to fall apart just because no. we were doing a lot. Well, of but stuff they are going to have a learning curve. There's a learning curve, but really, I mean, for me, the the more important argument, perhaps less compelling, but to me more important, is that, you know, you're only seven once. If you're not, you know, swinging as high as you can on that swing now, you're not going to do it when you're 26. Right. Right? Right. And if you're not selling the Girl Scout cookies or going on an overnight at your friend's house, you know, at some point, those, those doors close behind you. And when we, the last thing I ask sometimes at my lectures is for people to think back on their own childhoods and remember something that they absolutely loved doing mm-hmm. um, that they don't let their own kids do. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, people start talking, and I always feel like I could go and have a steak dinner and come back, and they would <laughs> still be talking because how how fully we remember that, you know, like, oh, my God, it was so, like, I think about it, too, like, it was so fun when I would go in the woods with my sister and a blanket, you know, my God, if we draped it on a bush, we were in our own house. You had a fort, right. It was so great. And what was it? It was a tattered blanket and a bush. And so to give our kids, you know, the Mandarin lessons and the tutoring and the Kumon and the Jimboree and the Stanley Mm -hmm. Kaplan and not give them a chance to go in the woods with a blanket, why? Right. Why would we take away the one thing that we cherish so much from our own childhood? So really, as parents, we need to, we maybe just need to reconnect to our childhood and mm-hmm, find mm-hmm. W- what worked, what was healthy, what was good. And, what and, we loved. And what, what we, we loved. loved, yeah, and facilitate that with our children. 
Right, and you know, facilitate sounds like a big word for just let them have some of that freedom you had. It's not crazy. Your parents weren't crazy to let you Mm-mm. ride your bike, you know, to let you walk to school. And to, considering that the crime rate today is lower today than when we were growing up, it's certainly not crazy for us to give the same thing to our own beloved children. You bet. And embrace failure, right? I mean, allow failure to take place. Of course, it's it's inevitable. You know, I mean, I know that I, I've watched it with my kids. It is the most uncomfortable, miserable time you know, when they haven't gotten things that they wanted to get into and they've been rejected for this or that. It's just, it's, I think it's worse for me. I don't really know. But on the other hand, everybody comes through. And I know that um, sometimes when you think of, like, what made you most proud of your kid, like if you think of a moment where your, your heart really swelled with pride, for me, uh, with my older son, it was... Um, seeing him back on the phone laughing and talking with friends after he had just lost the biggest debate that he was just completely decimated and it was horrible and I thought he should have won and everybody thought he should have won and it was humiliating and he didn't win and there he was you know an hour or two later it wasn't immediate talking on the phone and I just it made me feel proud and relieved and you know some of the greatest moments come out of rotten stuff it's so true. Lenore Skenazy, we appreciate you. That's, I mean, it really is. It's insight we all need. And if, if they go to your website, freerangekids.com, you have a TV show now. You have the FRK Project. Your book mm-hmm. is out as well. There's a lot of tools and resources if parents are wondering how to, to let go a little bit. Yeah, I hope so. And plus, it's a really, it's a, it's a great community on there. It is. Like, I can already everybody everyone's talking. To, yeah, everybody's talking. And, um, you know, sometimes it gets a little heated. But generally, it's just supporting the idea that it's not crazy to uh, to believe in our kids. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, Lenore Skenazy, again, go to the website, freerangekids.com. And you can also, you know, just try it. Just pick one thing that they really would love to do and help them uh, do that. Great stuff. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back to a little coaching corner on this and, and other subjects about uh, creating independence in our relationships this is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, that free-range parenting, it's such an interesting thing because we can all think of an example where, oh, yeah, but so-and-so did this, and she was hurt, or she was abused, or she had this. We, we have these fearful examples, and yet um, we also could empower our kids to be able to do more themselves, think more on their own. Uh, yesterday, for example, Mother's Day, we allowed, I guess, our 10-year-old to cut tomatoes which doesn't seem like a big deal, but he's missing three fingers. So we thought we really ought to No, but we're afraid he might cut his finger, right? So do you remember back in the day when you got the chance to cut your own tomatoes? Did you lose a finger? (laughs) By the way, if you did get cut, you learned a lesson And how many times can we teach our children or anybody, our adults, our friends, our neighbors, anybody around us, how to do something and they'll still get hurt? Getting hurt is part of this game. And yet a lot of us feel like if we could just 
avoid all potential pain, then um, everything will go well. But it's not true. Um, It's not true. And honestly, one of the benefits, I think, of my parents separating or divorcing is I was a latchkey kid. I was home every day, multiple hours in the afternoon by myself from probably nine on. And one thing, just so you know, I loved it. It was my greatest time of day because I was free. I was free to do what I needed to do. I've, I locked myself out of my house. I figured out a way in. I sneaked in. I figured it out. And I could then be, I could sneak in and, uh, or break in, I guess that was what I was doing. I figured out how to, to fix the air conditioner on the top of our house, on our roof. I figured out how to fix a lawnmower. I would mow the lawn on my own from about 12 on. I was out there with a lawnmower. And it every one of those things, no matter how hard it was for me, it'll I tinkered around and I figured stuff out. I now have these kids that they don't tinker. They don't we don't ask them to go work on the air conditioner because we don't work the air conditioner. We just call somebody to fix the air conditioner because I don't have a clue how to do that kind of air conditioner. But we don't even give our kids a chance to go out and test stuff and try stuff and make mistakes. Do you? Do you allow mistake making in your children? Well, we can't allow them to kill themselves. Well, no, let's not do a mistake if we're jumping out of an airplane. I agree. However, Mowing the lawn, well, yeah, it could be super. Sure, it could, absolutely. And what we need to do then is teach them what mistakes we can't make. A kid can make a mistake and hit a sprinkler. They can make that mistake. And if they make that mistake, they also get the benefit of fixing that mistake. And when I get to go fix the sprinkler that they ran over, we're going to go do that together. Do you make sure that the consequences of your children's decisions are also part of their life? I saw a really great um, just uh, like post on Facebook of a mom carrying everything out of her son's basketball game, and the son was basically not carrying anything. The son wants to bring all of his other gear and shoes and towels and all these things to play a sport, but he ends up not carrying it. He ends up getting the after-game treat and then hands the wrappers to his mother. There's consequences along the entire pathway here that we should be making sure our children are are able to experience. And I think a lot of us really want to be the shock absorbers for our children. And we become the shock absorbers between them and the world. And in the end, it just wears down us and it just weakens them. So how are you doing as a parent? Are you allowing your child to take some hits? Have you ever let them fail at something? Have you ever let them not do an assignment and you not run it in at the last minute or come in and save the day and fix that assignment for your child so that they can get an A? Have you ever let them just fail? Because the reality of life is they better get used to failure. And you don't have to, you don't have to just abandon these kids, but we need to make sure that they're skilled in the art of failing because it's going to be a major part of existence. And the more we can do something with it, the more we can allow failure and teach the great lesson. I think what it is a lot of times is some of us are so, we're so um, kind of negligent in the, in the day-to-day stuff with our kids 
that we try to make up for it in the big stuff. And maybe what we ought to do is allow some of the big stuff to just happen, like a kid not doing an assignment, and instead get more involved in the day-to-day with our kids. Be there more. Be there. When when I'm fixing the sprinkler, make sure my boys are there watching me do that. They have no idea. They think a sprinkler fairy changes our sprinklers. They don't know that I'm out there digging a hole for an hour. So do you – how are you as a parent? Do you make sure that the kids are learning it? And are they learning it day in and day out? Because I think if you you did that and you happen to lose a kid at a fair or at a park, I'll bet you your kid might be able to get home just based on your skills that you've entrained, right? So we can worry all we want or we can empower our kids with the tools. Life's still going to happen. Do you know how many people I know that have been abused by somebody in their family, right? So you can worry all you want about the neighborhood being horrible or the park being the bad place or whatever. It's still – it can happen right there in your own home. So worry all you want, but train up your kids. Teach them the principles of life and especially the principle of responsibility for what they do. Let them fail once in a while. And when we do, guess what happens? Apparently, learning takes place. It's a, it's, a, it's a great thing. Learning. We all do it, right? And by the way, it's going to go on forever. You're never going to need to stop learning. I'm convinced of that. That's the Coach's Corner. We'll take a break, my friends. And uh, you a know, whole new hour after the break. More news, more ideas to help you find the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, the show where we give you the tools, the ideas, the insight, the coaches who can help you uh, see the good in the world. That's that's the job of anybody on this earth. You got to make it through alive, right? Healthy, learning, skilled, we're the show that'll give you the tools. Welcome to the program. Man, we got a good one. Uh, Kim Giles will be joining us. She's coach extraordinaire, founder of Clarity Point Coaching. She's going to be talking about how to be a less reactive parent. Last hour, we talked about uh, this tendency we have to, you know, over-manage, micromanage our children and not let them experience life. So I think this will be a perfect segue into Kim Giles. You did that. You took your boy. Yes. To a, a father-son's activity, and it rained. We went camping. For 90, 90% of the time you were up there, it was raining. Friday was okay. Was it? From about 7 to, you know, when we went to bed, it was no rain, no That's problem. That's great. Wake up in the morning, it's raining, and it rained the entire time we were there for Saturday morning. So breakfast, we ate that, tore down the tents and left. Now, Instead is Instead of all true? the games and stuff we were I play. heard that you just took a plastic bag and wrapped your boy in it. No. And put his head out. He... I borrowed a sleeping bag. I have no camping equipment. Gear, sure. So I borrowed the gear from my brother. My my uh, kid got a Cars sleeping bag. Oh, how cool. So he was just uh, – Those are usually not as warm. 
Right. But he was fine because I had him in one of those one piece sleepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Footy things. Oh. So he was fine that way. Now he's but, 16, right? No, he's three. Okay, just checking. Well, four now. He, uh, when I woke up about three in the morning, the sleeping bag was pushed to the bottom of the tent. <laughs> he he was laying on just on the tent floor in his sleeper and he had his blanket, which is a little thin red piece of cloth essentially yeah. laying over him. And he was asleep. He was fine. He was warm. Cozy. So I grabbed the sleeping bag, threw it over the top of him, took his stuffed bear and kind of set it on top of the pile. Did you take all of the other toys that he sleeps with? Because he sleeps with 30 he toys. He sleeps with 30 toys. He only took a teddy bear. Wow. That has been How in did his he room. sleep? It's fine. No problem. This is great. He was warm. He wasn't, you know, freaking out or anything. See, are you, are you a reactive parent? Well, no. No, because you just let him just... My solution to the problem of... He was last... Yes, he was a free-range kid this weekend. It's basically... I mean, he was running through this meadow, basically, we were camping in. And I would just occasionally glance over, make sure he was alive. But he was having fun chasing kids. There was a dog there he was chasing around. Would you have been more attentive if your wife had been there? Absolutely. (laughs) But she wasn't there, so eh, he's fine. You're afraid of your wife. He had a big red coat on, so I could see him Yeah, you could see him a mile away. From way off. The worst part was, you know, meadow muffins. You want to call them that? Uh, cow pies. Cow pies. They're all over the place. Um, just making sure he could tell between the mud and the cow pie. Do you know that when we <laughs> raised James, uh, we used, we made some mistakes early on. All parents initially will make a some pop. mistake. We made him wear a helmet everywhere because we didn't want him to get hurt. Right. I understand the, the safety hazards. Yeah. He could bump his head. Everywhere. When he went to college, my last memory of sending him to college was the click of his helmet the little snap the special moments are what you remember yeah Yeah. but he his head's perfect right there's no hair because you probably rubbed it off with the the helmet well yeah that's the problem is you can't put a helmet on give and take there's plus but i was safe there you go do you still wear the helmet now as now that you're kind of out of my power yeah, on the hard days, you know, after a long day at school, then <laughs> I go home, lie on the bed, and it's click like a, on the helmet. It's like a warm hug. Yeah. Yeah. Reminds me of home. That's good. See? So, parents, you can't break them, but you got to let them free range. So, I thought, great, if I pat him up, we'll free range him. Pretty nice. You need to try it, Terry. But this is a nation that invented the child leash <laughs> that you'll see at the zoos and different areas Talk about town. just... That's just so demoralizing. But when you see the kid, you kind of understand what the parent is looking at because it'll inevitably I'll see the kid. He's got the cute like monkey backpack, but yeah. it's just a leash. And the kid goes tearing off every second he gets a chance. He takes off, and the kid, the parents like yanking him back on the on the leash. So you're like, oh, okay, maybe she's helping out all of society by controlling her child. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. See, sometimes yeah, you just gotta. Time I think the parent needs a sled, though. Then you could be like, mush, mush. Right. And the kid could just... You could well, do you need a bigger family. That's why we have six kids. We could do that. You have an entire team to pull you around. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Anywho, uh, any news going on? Today is National Eat What You Want Day. Oh, I love this day. And as it just says, eat whatever you want. So what are we going to eat? That would be a question. Maybe you could ask the Sports My- Nation guys. Eat what food you, want, you have a day like you today's set it aside day. today's the date what are you gonna it's, it's got to be special let's you ask james what james is gonna eat i know what james it's because he's married now it's gonna be top ramen <laughs> is that it james a uh, brownie i'm gonna eat a brownie yeah, he had a brownie i already so. ate a brownie really yeah where, where are the brownies no it's just one where where, where, where my where? wife gave me a brownie this so you morning. had brownies at home yeah just one 
Now, unlike most your of your wife the- made one brownie? No, we just had one brownie from yesterday where we had a lot of brownies. It was delicious. It was great. Homemade. Uh, loved it. <sighs> I mean, I would have brought you a brownie. If you had just one, you'd, you would have brought me one. Mike yeah. had some of it. Oh, you? My, what? Mike had some of it. Mike? Mike got a brownie? It was one of the best brownies I've ever had. Really? Yeah. Did you get brownie, Terry? No. What's up with that? I don't know. I didn't ask for so a brownie. He has enough brownies to share. After all that we did for him. Okay. Do you know how much time I spent on my PowerPoint toast? No idea. In fact, I, I missed it, I think. Days. <laughs> I spent days. <sighs> In other news. Yeah. American Idol, your favorite TV show, yes. has been canceled. What? Why? Low ratings. Who cares? Well, that's kind of what people are thinking. That's why they're canceling the show. Who cares? American Idol. 15 seasons the show went. Well, how will we know what music to listen to? Absolutely. They have to tell us so that we could go buy it. That's how the show works. (sighs) Well, it's how it used to work. Now people just don't watch it anymore. What is Ryan Seacrest going to do? Whatever Ryan Seacrest does. He's going to have to host something else. Hmm. So you'll, you'll, you'll have that night free now. Oh, but night. Because there was like the it's actual like show and then there week. was probably a results show. So there's two nights a week that you'll now have free. Oh, boy. You'll have to figure out what to do Family there. Family time. A Chinese company has paid for 6,400 of its employees to go on a four-day holiday to France. Really? The biggest tour group to visit the country was welcomed in the southern resort of Nice on Saturday. Oh, well, that's nice. The uh, Tyens Group president booked What's it up- called? Tyens, T-I-E-N-S. Uh-huh. 140 hotels in Paris and more than 4,700 rooms in Cannes and Monaco. How? Oh, wow. That's a takeover. Their holiday included a private viewing of the Louvre. Ooh, wow. Museum. Uh, On Friday, Guinness World Records inspectors watched the group line up on a beach to break a record for the longest human-made phrase. (laughs) It was mostly in French. Yeah. Uh, The group was expected to spend more than $14 million over the four days. Wow, one so company the, brought that many people. The economic boost there to that area. The tourists have hired 146 buses to drive them around for the holiday. Unbelievable. That What a great company. What's the company? I want to work for them. Tyenes? T-I-E-N-S Group. What do they do? I don't know. Apparently, they send their employees on French vacations. That's fantastic. I'm going to Cancun in June. Want to let you guys know, none of you invited. None of us? Not a one. No. But if I had had a brownie, you all would have come. And I wanted to get to this for you because I know you're a big fan of Vladimir Putin. Ooh, Vlad. To commemorate the 70th anniversary of the victory in Europe, thousands of people gathered in uh, Washington, D.C. Friday to participate in celebrative festivities. There was parades in D.C. as they uh, brought uh, World War II veterans that uh, come to you know honor them and yeah. for their service. In Russia, they did the same thing as cool. the— they they were also part of that. Tw- I was reading twenty six million people died. Wow! From World Russia War- during oh, World wow. War Two. Chinese adulation for Russian. Well, Russia held a celebration. World leaders didn't show up. Yeah. As kind of a protest for uh, what's going on in the Ukraine. So just kind of the, mm-hmm. the politics of it all. China and India and you know other countries did show up. China's adulation for Vladimir Putin has reached dizzying new heights with the release of a slick propaganda video. 
lavishing praise on Russia and its leader. The video was released online ahead of the visit by China's president to Moscow over the weekend to attend the military parade. Uh, The answers, they walked around asking people, what do you think of Vladimir Putin? What do you think of Russia? What do you think of Vlad? The answer sent a not-so-subtle message about the warming ties between the China Those and two Russia, are which are drawing closer. Uh, people interviewed in the video praise Putin for his strong leadership. He's a handsome man, and he has big muscles. Yes. The do not flow in the wind. Yeah, his muscles don't flow in the wind. You know what? Do we want to make a little wager? Okay, go ahead. I would bet uh, next year the Tynes company is going to be taking 6,000 of their people to Russia. To Russia. To summer with Vlad. Absolutely. Mark it down. There's plenty of resort towns. James, put that in the book and meme it. Seriously. That's kind of scary. Russia and China getting chummy. Then Mm. I read overnight that they had some discussions last couple days on energy issues. Yeah. A little tension there. Oh, good. Good, good, dealing with uh, fuel and and other things. I'm sure China's looking for oil. They want more oil. Russia has a lot of oil. Lots of oil. And And a lot of need to sell oil. Yeah, they need moolah. Who doesn't? But there's tension over price and how these things happen. Okay, good. So we're back to normal. Yeah, we're back to normal. Excellent. But there's a funny video. It's all in Chinese. Well, and anybody that says... About a world leader, what I really like about you is how you look. You just got great muscles. You've got, you're ripped. I mean, people say that about talk show hosts. Yeah, right. We get that. (laughs) But world leaders? (laughs) Something's up. I'm telling you. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, Kimberly Giles will be joining us. Kim is the founder uh, of of Clarity Point Coaching. She's going to be teaching us about how to be a less reactive parent. We all need that, don't we? Up next, Kim Giles right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. In the house, Kimberly Giles. She's the coach extraordinaire, uh, popular life coach, author, speaker, named one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country by Good Morning America. We've actually coined or told her she's one of the top 20 advice gurus in the galaxy. Intergalactically, wow. top five. Can't prove that. But. Oh, but we can. <laughs> we totally can. We, we even have an app for that. Um, you've published over 240 articles, which is a lot. You write a lot. And when you write something, you give a lot of good meat. There's I try. A, there's a lot of writers that just they just skim stuff. You get down to the meat. Well, I want everybody to have what they need to actually make their life better. That's our goal. Clarity Point Coaching is the website. Tons of free, tons of free stuff. <laughs> I know. We always joke about that, but it really per pound, your website gives more free stuff than any other website. Well, like I said, trying to help. <laughs> Hopefully, if but, you've got a if you've got a problem, you can go to the website well, and find and, and, an answer. Because there are people that are just that way, but the, but you also you're not just free. You've got the goods. So if they want to hire you, they could do that as well, or one of your many coaches. Yep, your 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 ball your uh, your bullpen of coaches. <laughs> hey. Um, Help us with uh, reactive parenting because we talked earlier about this free-range parenting, and we we are so fearful. 
Have you ever studied fear? <laughs> yes, you tease. You know, fear is my main thing. But parents are so freaky fearful about their kids making it through everything. We are. And that's why not only are we overprotective, but we freak out yeah. if they do anything wrong whatsoever. And we handle those situations so badly. Yeah. I, I've noticed our fear, which drives most of our bad behavior, yeah. um, nobody triggers it better than our children because they so make us – they trigger our fear of failure and looking bad. Yeah, and they trigger our fear of loss uh-huh. we're going to lose them. Yeah. Nobody scares us more than it's our so kids. It's so true. So we behave really badly towards our children and in a moment when they really need us to show up for them. Yeah. But we're focused on our own fear. I had a, a- – a relative come home from an LDS mission. They'd been out 18 months. She's a wonderful young woman. She came home. When she left, she was very dependent on her parents. And when she now that she's been gone for six, 18 months, she's learned to be independent, but they don't necessarily want to let her go. Oh, so they're they trying still to, want to put her push back her back in that box. Before. And she so just doesn't hard. fit. And so she had to sit her parents down, which is something she never could have done before. And she's like, I'm, I need to grow up. And I already have. I just need you to recognize yeah, now that. Now we need you to grow up. And, and interestingly, go. they took it very well. Good. But it could have gotten ugly and reactive because yeah. they could have gone, oh, so what? They, okay, then go do it on your own. Do it on your own. And they could have gotten really mean and that's not going to help. It isn't. Um, I really believe that life is a classroom. I yeah. talk about that a lot. We're here to learn. And I believe your children are your very best teachers. Yeah. And what we need to start seeing is – our children are providing lessons for you to grow up. And every time they behave badly or have issues in their life, a matter of fact, um, my poor daughter just this weekend, she the just— The one I've met? No. Okay. My, my 20-year-old daughter just spent $500 to fix her car, uh-huh. and Saturday night it got stolen. Oh, no way. <laughs> and it's gone. It's gone. Oh, and no. she's falling apart. She's so upset. But it's been uh. interesting because— I, I really see everything that happens in my children's life as, as a lesson for me, a chance for me to grow That's great. and learn. And I think no matter what happens with your children, no matter what they do, that this is today's lesson for you. Uh-huh. Um, it's, and, always, it's always really about you. It is. Because you're the only one that can learn the lesson, teach the lesson, be the lesson. So I don't know if you remember, I told you about my very favorite parenting book in the world right now. It's called The Conscious Parent. It's uh, a very Buddhist parenting yeah, book. Yeah. But I have to read this to you. He, he says in the book, through our children, we get orchestra seats to the complex theatrics of our own immaturity. Mm. So true. They awaken our unresolved emotional issues. But because our children are vulnerable and powerless, we blame them for our, react, our reactivity. Yeah, right. Front row seats. To our immaturity. So we've got to notice when you react bad and flip out on your kids with anger, you know, disappointment, all of that kind of stuff, this this is your issues that are coming to the surface. So I've I've really found four main issues that I think as parents we gotta start being aware of that come up. And the first one is an attachment to our image. Oh, we're so into that. That my if my kid does something bad, mm-hmm. I'm going to look bad. And I think I told you before, my, my daughter got a tattoo. Yeah, yeah. And that was my first, like, what? Oh, what are people going to think of They're me? They're going to think you're horrible. 
So if we're reacting from that's, that place, it's all about you and your fear of looking bad, and it's not about your child、uh, and what they need from you in that moment. That it's so sad because your concern then it's they just see that you're just like that shallow. I mean, yeah. Because you you tried it. Well, no, I did because it starts there. Tattoos are the gateway drug to piercings, <laughs> and then we just go. To, but in reality, the whole time they just hear you talking about your fear. Yeah, it's all、That's、about you. And you know, if you react that way, your children lose respect for you. Yeah, absolutely. They see right through it. So we've got to watch our attachment to image.、Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is a, an attachment to perfection,、oh, yeah. where we've. Really projected our fear of not being good enough onto them, and if you've got issues with perfectionism, you're going to have that about your children too. And again, it's really、so、about、true. your issues.、Um, attachment to conformity, and I see this in our community a lot, where I feel safe when I'm the same as everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Do not. Yeah, and you want your、Don't、kids. Don't be different. No. We want them to fit in the box. Uh huh. Not, and it's weird because when one of yours just doesn't fit. And doesn't like you know sleeps through the bus or the lesson or and they're oh I have a son that's oh man what if he doesn't graduate yeah he's missing a one assignment basically but he has to go be tested on it and well what what if he doesn't what if he can't graduate what if what if what if but the whole time I'm thinking and what. He's yeah, still, he's really great, won't be the end of the world. He's an officer. He's all these other things. I'm like, <laughs> why are you so worried? But he's. But what if he can't? It's the fear. But then it's. I didn't think of that. It's conformity. He's not. Just do it like everyone else. Just do it. We would、like、feel a lot、else. safer if you would just fit in the box like all my friends、oh, and their、so、children. Oh, that's so sad. We we want you so predictable for our sake, not their sake. No, totally about you. That's pathetic. Come on. Okay, last one、yeah. is an attachment to control, and control comes from that fear of loss. And and a lot of parents really struggle with this one. They've、mm. got to control everything with their children. They、yeah. can't let go and let them make their own choices because it's got to fit the picture I had in mind. But you, but you don't. They're agents, right? When they're done at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, or whatever, they got to move on without you. But you've controlled、That's、them here. The idea. <laughs> so that might be interesting because what if I think? So if I think their success is because of me. Because I've so controlled, and I've been such a great parent. We have kids that play oh, musical instruments, and, and everyone's like, "Oh, you guys are、it. these kids are fantastic." I'm like,、mm-hmm. "Matt, do you play an instrument? Not a not a one." Yeah, Matt, you really don't get any credit not, for that. But it's、Absolutely. funny, but we want to take credit. Oh, and then we're afraid if they do something bad, then, then we oh, it's, no, it's not my kids. So we need to let go and、yeah. distance. Matter of fact, last night we had a Mother's Day gathering, and my brother, his daughter, just went to prom, and she's telling us the story. The the boy's mother came with them to prom. What came to the dinner? Came to the dance? Why followed them in her car? The What does she、day? know that they don't know? <laughs> you got to watch out for my son. I don't know, but talk about needing to let go. Seriously, my goodness, that's We, scary. We've got to start letting them be independent, right? And we've got to not make their life a reflection on us. Yeah, yeah. You can't、we've、get psychic.、Uh, Stephen Covey always taught you can't get your psychic income. From their accomplishments, because、mm, the minute、like、my、that. income is attached to their accomplishments, then I am benefiting. Which means when they start failing, so we've got to kind of redefine our role as a parent. Yeah, I, I, really, we've got to understand that they are here on their own classroom journey with lessons to learn that have nothing to do with you.、Hmm. And we've got to separate that and recognize you're here to learn your lessons, but their journey is not going to look like yours. 
The lessons they need to learn are totally different than the ones you needed to learn. They're not yours. You don't own them. No. And, and yeah, we've got to not be attached. We've got to let go and trust a little bit. So I really teach my clients the key to this is, first of all, trusting that your value isn't on the line or attached to them, that you have the same value no matter what happens around you, and that your classroom journey is going to be perfect. It's going to be the perfect education experience for you. And if we trust those, we ought to be able to let go of the attachment a little more. Two basic ideas, really. Uh, Let's come back. Let's have you teach us more. Uh, We're talking with Kim Giles from Clarity Point Coaching. By the way, uh, article galore. It's 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 utopia for articles and information on um, all things about fear and life and parenting and dealing with difficulty. ClarityPointCoaching.com. We'll take a break. More after the break right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the house, Kim Giles is joining us, president and founder of Clarity Point Coaching, a popular life coach, author, speaker. Today she's teaching us about how to be a less reactive parent. And that's the key, really. Somehow, right when we've, one of our fears kicks in, you know, our image or our reflection, one of these things that Im- impacts us, how our children are impacting us, then we get reactive. So once that reactivity fires, Kim, what are we supposed to do? How do I not follow the emotion. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Um, I let Abby, my daughter you met, get a puppy. Oh, she's cute. But the deal has been she's totally responsible. She has to clean up this puppy. Oh. And try to potty train it. It's not working very well. Puppy made this huge mess, and I'd asked her to clean it, and she didn't. And I hadn't gone downstairs for a few days, so I hadn't noticed. And I finally went downstairs and saw that she'd left this mess and hadn't cleaned it. And I just reacted. Did you go off? I was about to. Okay. I was about to because I was mad. I was thinking the dog is gone. We're getting rid of the dog. (laughs) You're in trouble. So what I've been trying to teach and learn to do myself in that moment, step back from it. And take a minute and try to recognize what you're afraid of Uh that's playing into this. Am I, have I got fear of failure? Have I got fear of loss? And I realized for me, it was fear of loss. I feel like she's wrecking my house. Yeah. And I'm the one who's paying this for this house. Yeah. And, and I'm going to have to pay if it gets wrecked. So I feel literally robbed. Yeah. She's using you. I'm having these feelings of being taken advantage of. And it's mm. all around scarcity. Yeah. And lack. And so you've got to step back and realize what you're really afraid of. What's really, ha- is this about your image? Is this about, yeah, you being taken from. And when you can identify what it is, you got to ask yourself, is this a fear that you have issues with before this even happened? Yeah, yeah. Is this yeah. just generally an issue you have? And I had to stand back and go, yeah, I do. I have fear of loss issues. Yeah. And and I worry about money and paying for things. Yeah, and am so I going to be able to, yeah. This is a fear that is my issue. And I have got to learn how to step back and get in trust and not... This was a beautiful thing here that my daughter served as a teacher in my journey to trigger the fear right. and bring it out of me so I could recognize I have fear of loss issues. 
So I need to work on those. And recognizing that, she needs to also work on responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So I could sit down and have a conversation with her about her part and my part and what I need to work on and what she needs to work on and the deal that we made with the dog and the consequences. And, but I could handle it so much more but loving it's you, and But calm. it's because you didn't go with the emotion. You paused it in a way and stepped back and then asked about your fear. What's, what's the fear driver here? Yes. So don't think that's the key thing yeah. is don't react in the moment. Count to 10. Step Get back. Get some space. Understand that you've got to look at your own issues first yeah. and be accountable for your part of this. And and I really feel like every reaction with my child, it's either a love reaction or it's a fear reaction. And I have my clients keep track in a week of every reaction with their child, how many are love and how many are fear. Oh, yeah. And it's it's really crazy it's how often our re- interactions are fear reactions. And if that's what our relationship is based with, it's not going to be a good no, relationship. No. We're we're they're not going to respect us. We're going to have this. But it seems like you guys lack of connection. You could have just fought about the dog, but you were you recognize your problem was your reaction to the event, not the dog at all. This isn't about the dog. This is about your reaction, and behind the reaction was the fear. Right. Not the dog. It's no, but we the, fight the about the dog. It becomes the symbol. It's the lesson. lesson. Right. It's the yeah, lesson. So we mechanism. don't want to get caught That's up cool. in that and miss the miss the lesson. That's great. And now we also have to teach our children, but we can have a discussion about being more responsible from a place of trust and That's love. Right. That's right. And our child's going to be a lot more open to learning in that space than the space where you're angry and attacking yeah. because all they hear is my mom is mean. Right. This woman is a witch. Um, Which will only generate more lesson. fear in them. So my fear begets yours, and then we just beat each other up. Yeah. And but then, the, call but then the focus is on how mean my mom is, not, you know, I do need to be more responsible and learn something yeah. from this. You have to calm down and approach them from a calmer, more loving place, or they won't get the right. lesson. No, that's right. Which is what we that's really want to have happen. So that we take that space. What else do we do? In the, I guess, and ask ourselves a question. Is that what you did? You got into your fear. Yeah. What, what question do we ask again? Well, first, what am I afraid of yeah. here? What's the real core issue that I'm afraid of? And for me to recognize that it's it's my house being wrecked. Yeah. And that's tied to my fear about money. And so it's just – and yeah, I've got money fear issues and they yeah. have nothing to do with my child. Mm. They just brought them to the surface. And this is a good opportunity for me to work on my money fear issues right. and get more in trust, have an abundance mentality. And I get to practice that today. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. Thank you. But, yes. And it's you, you still are going to teach her. You're not just going to let, okay, I'll just take that one and let her go. You're still going to teach your responsibility, Absolutely. but after you are in the right space to teach. Yeah. So the same thing with the tattoo issue we yeah. talked about, I had to recognize I have fear of judgment issues. I'm afraid what people are going to think about me. Mm-hmm. And this is a beautiful opportunity for me to let go of that and recognize it doesn't That's matter right. and choose to come from love. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then even that, accept it to a degree that that's her choice and even tell people like you're on radio telling people this. So in some regard, you're using it as a lesson, but you're also learning. I mean, you didn't have to use that example. We didn't have to know your daughter has a tattoo because <laughs> now we're like, oh, my word, what kind of mother lets her daughter have a tattoo? But you, you're, let, you're healing because you're actually letting these stories out too. So you, you're getting more tolerant of that. Well, it's been a good lesson because – 
Can it's I be honest life. with you? Please, yeah, no one. Yeah, Everybody just us. I've met who's had a tattoo are the nicest people the I've ever incredible met. Incredible people. Yeah, nicest. People. I mean, if you go to prison, it's a little different. Okay, but but, in, but and they're still nice. They just have issues. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah. And, and they're, they so usually we, tend to be loving life. We all need to get past right. some of those things those that may judgments. not be your lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that anybody is no. not an absolutely wonderful human being. And my daughter, I am so proud of her. She is solid gold in her heart. She's the best person. And that's what matters more but than you're, anything. But you are facing your fears. And it's actually making you a better person. So that's what we're working on. And you're less us, reactive. You're phenomenal. How would it be? But it's just – you just – it's it's consciousness. You have to be consciously working on this, not just don't yell. Well, I honestly feel if we could start seeing everything that happens to you every day as today's lesson from yeah. the universe to help you be a better person, this alone would change everything. Because oh, yeah. you don't get as reactive when you understand, oh, this is here in my life to help me grow up and right. become a better person. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just about my carpet getting wrecked. This yeah. is a growth opportunity. That's true. If you were in a lab in your psychology class and they were having you do a test, you'd, you'd go about know. the test differently. Yes. Like, okay. This is about learning. Yeah, but if they just spring the test on you. Right. So everybody, every day, you're stuck in traffic. That's today's lesson. That's great advice. Your child makes you mad. Today's lesson. A you can do puppy that. Puppy does a duty on the carpet. Today's yeah, lesson. boy, I need puppy training lessons. You know what? Any advice on that? Have you done it? Uh, no, we won't get an animal for that reason. <laughs> we already have six kids, so we, my wife keeps saying, "Once do. the kids are gone, we'll get one." I'm like, I don't want one after the kids are gone. Yeah, I would want my kids to have one, so we'll just let our kids get them, and then we'll go visit them. Yeah, I keep telling her when she leaves, she's taking the dog. Yeah, right? for sure. <laughs> let me. I will give you some advice if you have a piano in the home. And the puppy has its little puppy teeth. Don't let it use the oh, piano as a tool. Yeah, chew to, toy. Yeah. They bite everything too. Yeah. And pianos are expensive. Yeah. Let them. It's better they just bite everyone than a piano. Than a piano. All right. Same. Words Same. of wisdom. Thanks, coach. No <laughs> piano Jow. if you have a dog. <laughs> Clarity Point Coaching is the website. Go check it out. She really offers so many things. Plus, she has fear assessments. Bunch of tools online. You can go learn. All free. All free. She's the greatest charity this side of the Mississippi. (laughs) Clarity Point Coaching. Thank you, Kim Giles. We'll take a break. Come back. Visit the guys from BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's up on their show. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. One of my favorite songs from another country that I've never heard. We like to use songs like this to introduce two of the greatest gentlemen on the face of the earth. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan from BYU Sports Nation, bilingual, sports-oriented. Hello, gentlemen. Please, Hola. Please translate that song for us. I have no idea. I don't even know what that is. James? <laughs> What? Is this, we might be the only uh, sports show in the country where both both guys speak another language. I know. It's fantastic. Uh, one Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Spencer, what do you speak? Uh, Espanol. Hangumar. 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 Korean. Oh, really? I know that one. Kajigawa, man. Kimchi. 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 Uh, si. 
De verdad. Yeah. That's um that's you guys that is the most bilingual sports show ever. You could almost travel to two countries. Jerem has a great point. I'm not sure that there will ever be another I mean, sports Korean show. Korean and Portuguese. Yeah, no. that's random. I mean, you'll have like Time Warner Cable. They have a Deportes. Uh-huh. They speak English as well. So yeah, but they don't speak yeah. Korean. True. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Hey, what'd you do guys. this weekend, Matt? I uh, took care of my mother. And my wife, uh, who is not my mother, that was very clear to our Mm. children that I don't – that's their mother, but I celebrate her being a mother. We had a big lesson on that. What would you do? What would you get her? I I, I got her a bag. I got her a really nice leather bag. Oh, a bag. A bag, eh? I got her like Gucci or Armani? Coach? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. When's the last like, time you went to Tijuana? It depends. It know. was like that. It was without a name brand. But it was a bag she wanted to put clothes in. A bag to put clothes in. <laughs> For like a day trip. Okay. Or Why like are a, you laughing? I'll, Why am I laughing? It's just it's just weird. <laughs> but it's not worth going there. Because it would just it's it would just create weird problems. But better yet, uh, we found out. Here's a great announcement. I'm announcing my daughter is pregnant. Oh, oh congratulations! So we great. found that out. And is that first grandchild, my first grandchild ever. So at Man. age 46, I am now going to be a grandfather, and it's going to be a girl. Grandpa Matt. Grandpa Matt. Sub 50 grandpa. Yeah, can That's you believe good. that? It's pretty good. And um, I mean, I, we were racing. We wanted sub 45, but uh, you know, you don't want to kill yourself. Clearly, so, but so that that was our big news of the weekend. What did you two do? What I mean, what's the what what do two studly bilingual sportscasters do? Let me interject for Jerem. Jerem had a very exciting thing happen at his house, and now what? he can finally invite me over for a barbecue. Con- we got a concrete patio. We didn't have any concrete on, in the backyard. Just a big mud pot. Now you've now, got concrete. Yeah. But it rained all weekend, so they covered it up. Mm. We've yet to kind of unveil it. Oh, this will be a big day. It's going to be this big deal. You are you, are you like, unveiling tonight? Step on it. Someone step on it. Who's the first to step on it? Yeah. This will be um, – are you having a barbecue? Should we bring something? I don't – I need to get a barbecue. I don't own one because yeah, I don't have a Yeah, who gets to take the first step? Is it you? Neil Armstrong has been formally invited one small to take the step. first step on our country. I think it should be your baby girl. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That's cute. Hey, did, Some did, people were asking, hey, did you do the hands? And I'm like, no, because I want to resell this. That's true. It's a, it's <laughs> a, it's, it's a no. concrete slab that you might want to resell. Did you know that today is eat whatever you want day? That's every day for me. Oh, really? You mm-hmm. skinny people make me sick. <laughs> I just could just eat you. Um, you. What would you eat today at your barbecue? What do I need to bring? I guess that's what I'm asking. Man, if I oh, we'd, we'd probably smoke today? ribs. Did that over the weekend. I had a friend do that. That was awesome. It was just mm. his wife was out of town, so we hung out with him. Yeah. We had... Literally, like, as many ribs as we want. It was awesome. Wow. What's his name? I want to just yeah, exactly. call him. My, at Gleminate 11. <laughs> my son has a uh, – you just gave it out. My son has a, a project where he's supposed to make a dinner for us and take a picture of it. And that's what we're doing tonight. We're making a, a rib dinner. But our grill doesn't work. So can I come to your house and borrow your grill? <laughs> yeah. You can borrow my friend's grill. Sure. We also are going to be making flan – with dulce de leche. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Settle down over there, okay? In, in Brazil, they have churros, mm. um, and they put dulce de leche oh. in it. Oh. It's, oh, I can't eat one dry now because it's, yeah. so, it's so good. Once you've uh, had— And I'd get them for like 50 cents in Brazil, which was like 15 cents at the time. 
Man, you're a braggart. You're a braggart. You're asking me if I could eat anything today. What would I eat? What would it be? I just thought of it. What? Kimchi. Nope. It is a Korean food, though, and it's something that I have not been able to eat since I returned from South Korea. And I've been looking all over for it, like authentic. Okay. The weird thing is, it's Korean Chinese food. You know how American has American Chinese food? So this is Korean Chinese. Yes, they have something called Tang Suyuk. Oh, sounds okay. Tang Suyuk. It is sweet and sour chicken, Korean Chinese style. It is unbelievable. Really? Oh, it's so good. Tang Suyuk blows anything out of the water in America. But it's in Korean that, Chinese. In that genre. Chinese, see how they're impacting every culture? They're impacting yeah. everybody. Even the Koreans are impacted positively by Chinese food. Well, Korea is a little bit closer to China. Yeah, you'd think so, huh? <laughs> Just a little bit. Hmm. What's Canadian food? But that's what I Yeah, what is Canadian food? Um How come there's not a, you know, Beto's <laughs> equivalent of There's Canada? not. It's just it's just whatever with an A after it. Okay. McDonald's A. a. Hey, strange, um, strange brew, man. You guys, what's what are you going to do for your show today? I mean, it seems like at some point you're going to run out of sports. Never. No. Is that never, impossible? Never, ever, ever, ever. We never run out of anything because we can go anywhere with our show. You guys have to go to sports. True that. Where are we? Go, where are we going today? Today we are. Okay, you're asking us if we could eat anything today. Okay, this is this is if you could pick one football opponent for BYU to schedule, what would you put on the schedule day? What punter? Who? Opponent. What team? Oh, opponent. Oh, any, oh, any, oh okay. Any team. Uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is technically contracted to return two games to Provo still, and mm-hmm. BYU needs to go there for two more games. Yeah, that's who I'd want to see. It's the battle. It's that's the holy battle. We've uh, received some awesome tweets about this. Okay. Someone just said Harvard, by the way. A Why Harvard? Harvard? <laughs> we could take Harvard. We'd Couldn't embarrass we? Harvard. Our mathletes versus theirs. Okay, that'd be a different story. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking to math. Yeah. Um, who else? Who else would? Who else would be that? I mean, I think it'd be really fun to see uh, a um, what's this called? What's this bucket that uh, elephants? Meyer? Elephants or er, tide? R- crimson tide? Oh, yeah. Al- 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 athletics. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, Alabama's a popular choice for sure. Uh, so you're not going to tell us. Do you really want that opponent though? Like well, Alabama? Do you really? I want, want him here. To play them? I want him here. Yeah. They're not coming to Provo. M- miracles happen here. They're not coming to Provo. You don't think so? Alabama, I don't think Alabama has ever gone west of the Mississippi for a non-conference game, ever. <laughs> yeah, you know, why would you, right? I don't know that they, they have. They don't have to, no. Yeah, make everyone come to you. It's kind of like BYU Sports Nation. Everyone has to go to you. You with me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Anyway, so that's that's the thing. Is like, yeah, it'd be cool to play Alabama, but... We look at a number of different angles, like who, like who matches up the criteria of atmosphere, strength of schedule. Mm. Maybe somebody that BYU's never played. Yes. Yeah. But do you want to just play in that stadium? You know, sometimes BYU will schedule games just because it looks good on paper, right? And then you figure it out how later. About the, like, how about the Patriots without Tom Brady? This is the second time you brought this up. I mean, I know they're out of league. They've got the next best thing, and that's <laughs> a game a at Foxborough Stadium, the home of I the just, New England Patriots against the University of Massachusetts. I, I want to see that. I mean, but I want to see the Patriots. I want England to play the U.S. Oh, in a game Fantastic! Idea. at Foxborough Stadium in soccer or something. Because oh. it would be like the revolutionary This war. is it. Again. That would be Paul Revere rides in on his horse. <laughs> like you could make that fun. Well, you guys, um, it sounds like a big day on the show. Always is. 
And it also sounds like it's a big day for Jerem when we unveil the concrete slab. I'm excited to go home today. I have a feeling when you pull off that tarp, what you're going to notice is it's a concrete slab. Yes. Period. Indeed. <laughs> but it's an exciting concrete slab. It is. Slab. And I'll be over tonight to use the grill. That I don't have yet. Oh, Spencer, how about you, friend? Uh, Nope. Don't got one. <laughs> What's the deal with you okay. guys? Terrible English. You take my money. I don't got okay. one. Well, then um, I guess we'll just have to go buy the ribs and pretend like we made them. I got some lefties from uh, Saturday, so I'm good. Okay. Do you have any you want to just lend me for a photo? Lend? No. Give? Yes. Okay. Oh, man. So giving. Guys, have a great show. Thanks, man. Sports Remember content. Remember, we are, uh, again, we do. the only bilingual sports show in the world. Monday Magic. Monday Magic on BYU Sports Nation. Thanks, guys. Take you care. Got it. Bye. Over and out. And um, I, need to find a, I need to find somewhere to cook my food. James, do you have a grill? I have an electric griddle you could use. I got it. Uh, we got a it from riddle. the reception. Yeah. Do you know that that is just so not manly? So we went from a grill, which seems to be like a very manly instrument of meat cooking, to a griddle. I don't know. It's What, it's, are we making grilled cheese sandwiches? Is it's that Black what and Decker, so that sounds manly. That does sound you know, It's manly. just like I have a drill. I have a griddle. So do you want, can I borrow your Black and Decker? Which one, the griddle or the drill? Yeah, pretty much. I'll take the griddle. <laughs> Did you get one of those hamburger-making or the the little ha- not hamburger ha- the grilled cheese sandwich making machines? No, unfortunately, those no. are those are gold. No, it, actually, funny thing about that is is for my birthday this last year, just back in December, my uh, mom got me one of those uh, those George Foreman George grills. Foreman grills. Yeah, yeah. And so usually you think that for a college student you just have one of those little small ones. Yeah, she got me like a family size one. You could put twelve see, patties on that. See, thing. mom was thinking ahead. Yeah. Mom knew that someday you'd need to cook out of your dorm room for an entire family. I think she was trying to send a not-so-subtle message. Yeah. You're never going to live out of a dorm room. Or get going. I need grandchildren. Is that what it was? Probably. Well, good. That's what I think. Bless your mother, by the way. Yeah. She's wonderful. And she didn't lose a son. She gained a daughter-in-law. Yes. Uh, Here's one hero story as we like to end the show with a hero story. Uh, On Tuesday morning, March 31st, near Salt Lake City, a Utah Brinks security armored truck was headed westbound. When it hit an off-ramp, the back door of the truck opened up and a large bag fell out of the truck, completely unnoticed by the driver. One person who did not – who did notice it, though, was Dan Kennedy, pulls over, worrying that, that, you know, somebody might hit that bag. Finds out he's just picked up $22,000 of cash, which is, by the way, very heavy. It's like a dead body, about the weight of a dead body. He thought that the bag uh, was trash, so he attempted to move it. It was extremely heavy. He opened it up, found that inside was a mass amount of money. He quickly called the police who came, and they took the money back to Brinks, and they stated that the seal was still on the money. Anyway, he did the right thing, and... uh, turn the money in would you turn 22 grand in huh or would you just go to hawaii good question think about it that's what we'll leave you with this is the matt townsend show remember we can't do it without you our goal is to help you live lover live longer love stronger and uh, see the good in the world take care until tomorrow we'll be back be good be safe bye-bye